We were somewhere around Barstow, on the edge of the desert, when the drugs began to take hold. I remember saying something like, I do it lightheaded. Yeah, you should drive. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us. And the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, Holy, Holy Jesus, Jesus, where are these goddamn animals? animals? Good. 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 Say something. Hmm? Never mind. It's your turn to drive. No point mentioning these bats, I thought. The poor bastard will see them soon enough. We had two bags of grass, 75 pellets of mescaline, five sheets of high-powered blotter acid, a salt shaker half full of cocaine, a whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, laughers, also a quarter tequila, quarter rum, case of beer, pint of raw ether, and two dozen amyls. Not that we needed all that for the trip, but once you get locked into a serious drug collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can. The only thing that really worried me was the ether. There is nothing in the world more helpless and irresponsible and depraved than a man in the depths of an ether binge. And I knew we'd get into that rotten stuff pretty soon. in 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of November in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and germ-laden studios of AM 970 The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into amusement and horror. Uh, it is Monday and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for uh, coming by. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us, and I know you would, with your uh, comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, musings of an ironic nature, recipes, random smatterings of gibberish and garbage, uh, whatever it is you might have in your head today. It's 503-733-2970. Sorry. Just thinking of a... You okay? I was just thinking of an amusing haiku that I heard earlier today. It's 503-733-2970 and uh, so forth. Richie Bristol, who is, I swear to Christ, walking around the building in high heels today. And not only walking, Rick, but you know he's dancing, too. He's not dancing so much as he's flouncing. Uh, he is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along the observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the absurd, the mundane, the pointless. 
Whatever it is you got today. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Richie with a T at 970.am. Or uh, sitting to my immediate right. Prepared to give you information as only he can. Our good friend Adam Thompson, who is in for the ailing Tim Riley today. Hello, sir. Hello, Rick. How you doing? Good. Yourself? I am fantastic. Never been better. Going to be one of the best shows we've ever had. No, I think it's going to be. All right. How are you feeling today on the classic 1 to 10 scale? Don't lie. At this very moment, not in general, not in the overall, not in total. Well, the number's climbing by the moment due to this fine viso here. That's what I'm talking about. I'd say right now we're hovering around 7, 7.5. I can't uh, believe you're going to put some other drug in your body besides viso. Seriously, you get Adam and I'll Did just... you get a new one? Hmm? The new flavor? Or what no, that's, is it? no, that's the Vigor. Vigor. This is Vigor. <laughs> Vigor. Vigor! To the lab! Um... Well, I won't, I won't specify the brand. I'll just say that Adam had originally come into the studio this morning holding some sort of aluminum can with some hideous petrochemical beverage inside of it. And uh, we ordered him to put it away and to get the visa instead. All right. Twice. Anyway, it's uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, thank you for coming by today. Here's what's coming up on this Monday. Uh, Lisa Desjardins will join us from the Hill today, as she often does. We'll also talk to Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum uh, from New York. I was originally going to have, I was going to talk to Jim today, but I don't know. I, I think he's just jammed on some sort of, uh, he, I think he's just jammed out there in that freeway right now because everybody's just sort of packing up all their crap and trying to get out of the firestorm. So I suspect he's had a bit of a weekend. So we will uh, we will probably catch up with him later on in the week. <coughs> Let's see. What else? Uh, we have a top five coming up today. So we'll talk more about, about Tim Riley here in a second. Uh, we'll talk to Adam, find out what is uh, on the horizon news-wise uh, today, because uh, Tim Riley is, in fact, at, at home sick entirely without a voice. We'll do the top five uh, sick songs today. Uh, hastily assembled, but genius nonetheless. We'll do the uh, top five sick songs later on in the program. Uh, we will without fail, because we had that guy. We had a guy call up, I think, on Thursday and mention this. And then we didn't get to it on Friday because we had Roger Klein, and it was kind of a kind of a busy show. Um, so today we will do another installment of the greatest songs ever made. Uh, that is coming up later on today. The greatest songs ever made. Um, it, I think it was fr was it Friday we started playing that Nickelback song. Was mm -hmm. it Friday or Thursday? It was Friday. Was it Friday? All right. So we may. Are we gonna made... listen to it again? No such thing. Please, please. No such thing is too much Nickelback. Um, well, we may or may not get to that today, but I, but here's the thing: is th that Nickelback song. It was actually only one of like five different songs that Paddock gave me uh, because I again I sort of gone into his office because I heard him playing it and I said holy Jesus what is that and so we started talking about Nickelback then there was some other track some something else that the record company serviced him with that, that he started playing for me but then by the end of the day he had this I uh, he had a folder that was like six songs deep of stuff uh, that he felt I would be interested in so we'll get to uh, we'll get to at least one more of those today also right here. Now, we didn't get to this last week at all, uh, but this guy went out of his way to actually give me uh, this CD. It is, in fact, the Muzak Company's 60th anniversary CD. So this guy went to dinner with, the, you know, my wife and I went to dinner with this couple, I don't know, weekend before last or something. And really the whole, it was all worth it for the, the bright spot of the entire evening, the high point. Oh, was this guy hooking me up with his CD for the Muzak Company. So while I'll get to that, let's see what else. Seems like there was something else I was going to mention, something that... 
just moments ago, uh, was dominating my thoughts because it seemed fascinating. Oh, uh, Geek Watch coming up today, Penis Watch coming up today, Cannibal Watch, and I do believe a double religious nutcase watch. So that is all on the, uh, all on the immediate horizon, my friends, mi amigos, mi compadres, my fellow travelers on the road of amusement. Uh, working on the following stories for your edification on this Monday, Adam Thompson. All right, I'm going to tell you about a rescue being planned for a woman trapped in a house by a giant pig. That's right, I said giant pig. Uh, a couple who's beaten to death in a bizarre uh, non... Uh, a ritual to quit smoking, Rick. How's your day going so far? Uh, it went down to a... What time did you wake up? <laughs> You're still trending upwards. Didn't you wake up at like 3 in the morning or something? <laughs> no, I was here until about 5.30 in the morning, and then Rick called me at about... 10.30 in the morning, and I got out of bed, and now I'm here at 11-something. Now, morning. to be fair, I'd sort of tip you off earlier in the night. I, because, because Tim sent me, we should back up for a second. So I got this um, I got this email from Tim last night, and, you know, Tim is kind of an early-to-bed, early-to-rise sort of a guy. Mm-hmm. And he was still up at midnight, uh, which is really unlike him. So I don't know whether he had, I, I don't know whether he went to bed and then woke back up to let me know that his voice was trashed, or whether he was... I don't know whether he's still awake for some reason, but I got this email from uh, Tim at midnight, and the, the subject line just said, unbelievably sick. And, uh, and uh, you know, the body of the email said, my voice is completely trashed and nothing seems to help. I don't think I'll be in tomorrow, but I'll let you know. Sorry, Tim. And so I, uh, so I sent Adam a text, and I said, uh, because you, you and I had already, be, let's just back up one step further. So last night was Timmy Ryan's. Final day here at CBS Radio. So last night on Musicology, Timmy Ryan said goodbye to everybody. And he's sort of been making the rounds. I mean, Timmy came on, he called us on Friday, I think, and he little, uh, you know, a little farewell to the people. And then I guess Dennis Pittsburgh said so Dennis had his miles around listener party on Saturday. And by the way, it really is. It really is the emblematic great and awful trait of Timmy Ryan that he managed to take Dennis uh, Pitsenbarker's listener event and actually turn it into the Timmy Ryan goodbye party. <laughs> I mean, if you heard any of the promotion happening on Friday for that or on Saturday morning, it really had very little to do with Dennis or cars or around or miles, and it had everything to do with your last chance to come and say goodbye to Timmy Ryan. Yep. So um, anyway, so, so that happened, and then last night, Timmy Ryan was on Musicology for the final show because he's going to be moving to... Um, Moving to Nashville. Um, so Adam had already sort of talked to me. And Adam's like, hey, so I know Timmy Ryan does some of that news fill-in for Tim Riley. Maybe Adam could be doing that. That's not on. how I said it. It was exactly how you I'm said it. I'm not wearing it. a leisure suit leaning in a, <laughs> on a smoky bar in the corner. It's an artist rendering. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and so, so I sent Adam a text last night, and I said, uh, I said the theoretical has become the probable. Uh, Tim may not be in tomorrow. How do you feel about filling in? Adam, Adam sent me something back, and he said yes or whatever. And then he said, by the way, if I haven't answered the phone at 10 a.m., you know, I don't, I forget what you said. Come get me here. I may be deeply asleep. I may be quite asleep, was the words. Yeah, you were, in fact, quite asleep this morning. So mm-hmm. thank you for coming in. I'm not you sleeping a, anymore. Uh, I'm up, and I'm ready to rock. So just for those playing the home game, uh, what time did you get to work last night? Last night? Yeah. Ooh, uh, well, I did musicology from uh, 7 to 9. And then I left, and then I was back here at midnight. And then you uh, got off the uh, air. Midnight to five thirty. Five thirty. Got off the air at five. Threw together some news. What time did you go to sleep? Probably about six. All right. And now you're back. 
I'm back, and I'm ready. But this is radio, man. This is what it's all about. See, that's what I'm saying. Man. Yeah, no sniveling. There's no <laughs> crying in radio. I'll just, you know, I'll probably just sleep through this anyways with my eyes open and my mouth running. That's the spirit. Yeah. All right. It's that sort of uh, that sort of drive and devotion that attains a ten share. Adam Thompson. Booyah. All right. Uh, we're joined today as always by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. Hello. How are you today? Hello. Good morning. I'm doing well. All right. How was your weekend? Satisfying. You called me on Saturday night, but I don't know what about. Um, I called you to ask you a question about something. It was during the day, but now I can't remember. Should have been at the Miles Around Listening Party to watch Tour de Force. Yeah, see, oh, no, yeah, I, I did go to that, in fact. Yeah, see, and I meant bit. to go, and then I, just, I, wouldn't, I actually had to be here Saturday night for something, so I, w- I wasn't able to get down there. But, um, so. Excuses, excuses. I know, I'm just, I know. I'm you missed gonna... Timmy being, you know, completely wasted, and him and Shelly getting into one of their <laughs> epic fights. Oh, see, but I'm going to miss that. I really am. I don't mean that in a snarky way. I am going to miss seeing those guys just go at it like tooth and claw, nail and hammer in public. It was kind of hilarious, but then <laughs> Shelly came to uh, my place of work so I, I had to go um, so I, I work at a bar you know sometimes and mm-hmm. I was working that night and the bar that I work at was um, it's kind of near um, where the listener event was so right. Look at that thing, and Shelly's like, oh, Jimmy and I are going to come visit you later. And then, like, I'm, <laughs> and like, the thing I'm working is, there. That's not an artist rendering. That's exactly how she you said know, it, I bet. little flurry and stuff. So I get yeah. there, and it's, like, totally packed because the roller derby girls, um, it was, like, their last bout of the season or something. So, like, right. it's just packed wall to wall with derby girls. So, I mean, like, every guy in there is drooling and having a great time. And then all of a sudden, I see this drunken redhead come in. I'm like, oh, God, there's Shelly. And I'm looking at her, I'm like... Timmy here. Oh, mm-hmm. crap, because I saw what a mess he was. And I guess he had run off or something because, and they got into a fight because he was talking about how fat he looked in a picture that he saw. Oh, man, I can't believe you're, I did not know this was for the air. <laughs> oh, am I not supposed no, to? No, 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 but it's just, it's funny. Oh, he's moving. She's care. right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, does, no. Does he look fat? No, he saw a picture, and I guess he obsessed over this picture for two hours, just wouldn't shut up about how he looked so fat in that picture and kept sulking about how fat he was. I don't understand. What picture is this? What what is Some picture that somebody took of him when he was on stage, Mm -hmm. and I guess it was at a bad angle. Oh, on stage Saturday at at the... Someone snapped a photo while we were rocking hard, and then he looked at the photo after our set was done, and for the next hour, he was lamenting his weight. Well, I'm going to say, really, I I mean... He's a midget. I could throw stones, but I mean... I gotta say, the, the total number of man hours that have been spent just in this room, just during, like just between 11 and 3, with one or more uh, show members sort of uh, lamenting how fat we believe ourselves to be. I mean, really, I can't even calculate how. I can't even calculate just between Sarah and I. I mean, how many? I mean, we could have. I mean, we could have cured any number of diseases if we would have taken the same amount of energy that we spend counting calories every day or and looking I at ourselves could, in like, the mirror. Make, uh, you know, fake stories for my top five. Yes. Like we could have done so much with our with our lives and our minds. In any event, uh, so so Saturday was Timmy Ryan's uh, final appearance uh, with Tour de Force, which is the, which was anyway the KUFO house band. Oh, or is it continue soldiering on? Rick, we are now a power trio. All right. All right, so for all the fans out there, we will continue to rock. Do not fret. Okay. And you did also miss Timmy Ryan playing the guitar behind his head. Oh, no, I've seen that before. See, that's the thing. So I had to be here on Saturday night, but I ha- I went to the last Miles Around event, and it was like some NASCAR thing. I forget exactly what it was. But I was there, and that was really just... It's just an exercise and just, just all that is all that is great and awful in terms of tour de force because I think that the sound mix had been done before by somebody who was missing about 85% of their hearing and was in the parking lot. And so when they got up to play, and I mean, no, no reflection on you guys, but when they got up to play, somebody, and by somebody I mean Timmy Ryan, was about four times as loud as the rest of the band. Oh, who's so it? So you, would, so you would have the rest of the band up there, and they're singing... I don't know, whatever, like cat scratch fever or something. And it it is as though it was like the aural representation of that Stillwater T-shirt where Russell Hammond is out front and everybody else is just the out-of-focus guy. 
You'd hear Tour de Force, which is Don upstairs from Traffic, Greg Nibbler from uh, from Jammin' and KUFO, and then Adam. You'd hear them in the background kind of laying down the rest of the song, like, Catch, scratch, fever, And every time Timmy Ryan were to go to do one of his leads or one of his vocals, it would just come in and bury everything else. And that's all you would hear. And then, of course, there was the obligatory playing the guitar behind his head. At one point... See, now we're talking about him like he's dead. We're talking, it's like he's awake. I remember this one time. He's that, dead to me. So. I remember this one time that Timmy had his guitar between his legs like a giant phallus. But, I mean, really, he's doing the thing where he's putting the neck of the guitar, like, between his legs and all, like, and, like, kind of thrusting his hips sort of it's spasmodically really at the audience. Like from another era. Yes. Yes, he does. I bought that guitar in EPT after the show. <laughs> anyway, so that was, um, uh, so that was Saturday. Um... Back up uh, to Friday night. So th- I, I met a bunch of listeners uh, Friday night at Roger Klein and the Peacemakers of Her Bodies, which was um, which was quite something. That was really fantastic. So we had those guys, uh, Roger Klein. You just heard them in the recap. We had them in the studio on Friday, um, and it did a great show, great in studio performance. And the one thing I said, I don't know if I said this on Friday or not, but if you heard Roger Klein in the studio Friday or just now on the recap. The great thing was, you know, a lot of times you get those bands, they come into the studio and it's like they're going, you know, they're, they're they're pushing a show or they're promoting wherever they're going to be that night. They come into the, the studio and they they kind of hold back, you know, they feel like they ought to save it for the stage or whatever. But if you listened uh, to Roger Klein performing a couple of songs here in the show, I mean, he kind of they gave it all, man. He didn't he didn't hold anything back. It wasn't like some seventy five percent performance. And then I went to uh, to Brabati's and uh, it was just it was just an incredible show. And I think that's I mean, I always say that every time I see Roger Klein, I say it's kind of the best show that, that he's done. But it, I think Friday may really have been the best show I've seen that guy put on. So I uh, met a lot of listeners there. So thanks, everybody, who came out. It was a, it was a fantastic time. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I don't know. I have all of these other things to get to. It's a phone calls coming in, so forth. So uh, we'll just uh, go to these in no particular order. Oh, and then I bought a whole... And speaking of Speaking of my... Uh, my relative girth. So I spent a whole bunch of time on the, spent a whole bunch of time on Sunday, like buying more clothing for myself. And but I had that. Just, I'm sorry, I put you back on hold. I get your call in just one second here. So I was buying a bunch of clothing for myself on Saturday, and I had that that thing where you go into the dressing room, and I don't know what it is about you go into the dressing room and they've got that. It's like the lighting we have in the unisex bathroom here, where you look into the mirror and you feel like that guy in Poltergeist, like your cheeks are about to start falling off. Like every single pockmark and pimple and boy, every mark that has ever happened on your body, you can immediately see in the mirror. It's like looking into some sort of weird high-definition oracle of yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's all kinds of bad. Anyway, more notes on that here in a second. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello there. First call hey. of the week. Please don't suck. Hey, Rick. Uh, this is CJ. Hello. Hi. Uh, I have some World War Z movie news for you, if you don't already know. All right, then. What is it, sir? Uh, the director of Quantum of Solace, Mark Forster, is signed on to direct World War Z. Somebody did tell me that. I think Aaron mentioned that after Friday's show. Uh-huh. Uh, World War Z, and, of course, it, the script for World War Z, which is the going to be the film adaptation of the novel of the same name by Max Brooks. Now, the script is by that J. Michael Straczynski guy, which bodes well. Um, so I, I mean, I got, I have some problems with the, with the way that that Quantum of Solace movie was edited more so than the way it was uh, shot. But he does, from what I read, he does seem to be planning a sort of stripped down, very sort of gritty version of World War Z. It's not going to be very flashy, which is good. Yeah. Uh, also, I sent you an email with links to various things you might find interesting for Christmas. Um, 
included is a from the DC website, mm -hmm. DC Comics website, is yeah. a Joker poker set. Are these things that I will also find shiny, sir? Um, I don't know. It depends. All right. Thank you. Okay. All right. There you go. Thanks please, so much. Please, shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. All right. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm adorable. How are you? I'm doing great. Right. I just wanted to remind you that your wife has a birthday coming up this month. Yes, she does. Yeah, yes, and she remember does. what happened last year. Yeah, there was some... Uh... There was some unpleasantness uh, last year because I forgot her birthday. So, uh, it, no, thank you for that. And I think it is actually written in my day planner. I'd have to go upstairs and check to be sure, but I think I've actually made a note to myself in my sort of like day runner thing, so I won't forget. But here's, see, here's the good news, though. The good news is, I, what is today? Today is the 17th. 17th. So the 23rd, which is her birthday, is what, Sunday, I think? So there's a better than average chance, though, she will be nowhere within phone or... E well, first of all, she's not going to be here. She's going to be in South America oh, still. Okay. So, the, I mean, she's going to be... Uh, I don't know if that's in a different hemisphere. Adam, South America, different hemisphere? I'm going to go yay on that. All right. So she's going to be in a different hemisphere. So I, the pressure is somewhat relaxed. And plus, I got like 10 days to get her something. So I can just have it waiting for her when she comes back. But I do appreciate you. Uh, I do appreciate the reminder, though. You bet. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Oh, by the way, um, so on Friday, I was uh, talking to Aaron Duran and Jason Crump upstairs about something uh, when the phone rang, and it was it was my wife calling from there was uh, some sort of phone station somewhere in uh, in Peru, um, and she wanted she only had time to share a couple of things with me. So these are just a quick uh, couple of bullet points from my wife's uh, Jonesian trip up the Amazon. A, she was currently at eleven thousand feet. And said uh, that it was unlike it was like having to hold your breath for four minutes, then being allowed to breathe for thirty seconds, then having to hold your breath for another four minutes. Uh, B, she didn't take a photo with us for some reason, but she said at one point they were just sort of trekking down some path through a bunch of brush, and they passed quote a giant pile of monkey skulls. And here's the thing about it is, I had her on speakerphone because Jason and Aaron were there, and as soon as she said, and then we passed a giant pack of monkey skulls. Jason and Aaron both immediately left out of their seats and demanded to know if she'd photographed it. And this really is the difference, I think, between the X chromosome and the Y chromosome. She said, no, why would you want a picture of monkey skulls? And in a sort of at that moment, see, that's what I'm saying. At that moment, Jason and Aaron and I just kind of slumped back in our seats, realizing if you don't know why you want a photo of monkey skulls, there's really no explaining it. Also, who wants to guess what she had for dinner on Thursday night? Anyone? Plantains. No. Um, Sarah. I know some kind of creepy meat product. I would say disqualifies some kind of animal. No, no, you had it right at creepy Brains. though. Um, no, she did in fact have quote a bowl full of larvae. So oh there you go. Well, Peru isn't a place I want to go to. No, me either. But you know, I thought I, I might want. No, the more I'm hearing, I'm like, mm, yeah. here's here's the thing. Now I don't have to go. She's gone, and so now I don't ever have to go. She sort of got it checked off the list. I asked her, by the way, how it tasted, and she said, well, it just really tasted squishy. Oh. And I said, okay, I'm done hearing about it. Uh, do we have to break here? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go one more, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins uh, on the Hill. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Speak. Hey, guys, best show ever. Thank you. Uh, just wanted to make this real quick. Uh, a, did you see Dexter last night? And B, has Jimmy Smith gotten to the point where his character is more creepy than Dexter? I'll take your comments off the air. Thank you. First time, long time. Um, well, uh, I would say no and yes. Uh, I'm like two episodes back on Dexter. I got all. You would think that with my wife gone, I would have all of this extra time. 
But you know what it is? It's just sort of like it's like a it's like a thing. I don't know what it's like. I I would think that with my wife gone, I would have all this time to catch up on television. But it really is just. The more you start watching television, and this is a uniquely American problem, the more you start watching television, the more you realize that it's just like bailing out the ocean with a thimble. I mean, it's just, you're never going to get caught up. So I'm two episodes back on Dexter. I've got to get caught up, and I'm two episodes back. i gotta, I got to finish the new Futurama movie tonight. If for no other reason than this, apparently the new Futurama movie has an extended sequence in which they reference the knife guy from the infomercial. Like, the actual knife guy. Awesome. So, going to do that, then i got to catch up on Dexter. But even only being like three or four episodes in, whatever I meant, I can already say that Jimmy Smith is unbelievably oogie, uh, as Annie Wilkes might say. All right, we'll take a break. Back with Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, Adam Thompson at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, the top five greatest songs ever made. And more! Stay there. <laughs> Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming along. If you'd like to email, it is rick at rickemerson.com. Coming up later on, senior radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum from New York City. Uh, we'll do the top five today. Uh, top five songs regarding sickness. Uh, Tim Riley, of course, uh, home voiceless today. In his stead, ably, uh, Adam Thompson from uh, Pimp Squad. Are you still the Pimp Squad? Yeah, the Pimp Squad. Pimp Squad lives on just like two or four, so we've just gone national now. We're blanketing the continent. Okay. You are, uh, so you have, you're going to be yeah, like, quite a, optimistic. you're going to be like the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. You have like the East Coast version and the West Coast version together. How can Jimmy Ryan still be a pimp, though, if he's, you know, moving somewhere with his girlfriend? <laughs> well, he's that's an, not very, that's not very pimp-tastic. He's a pimp in spirit. Well, maybe they can, uh, well, never mind. Um, all right, then. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello, how are you today? Hey, guys. How's life? How are things? You know, it could be worse. <laughs> okay. Give you an honest answer, could be worse. Here's the thing about it. That's an, I mean, I don't mean to start the week off on a confrontational note. I'm just going to say that's an answer that is fundamentally useless because I suppose that's always <laughs> true. I mean, really, it doesn't matter. I, you could be in a ditch on fire right now, and I could probably find a way in which that could be worse. That's true, but don't you think, maybe I'm going to get a little too existential here, but, uh -huh. I mean, isn't any answer kind of worthless? Like, if I was to say good, maybe good to me is different than good to you. I mean, what does anything really mean? I suppose that is true. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know it's Monday, yeah. I feel like we ought to be in a dorm room staring at some sort of blacklight <laughs> Jim Morrison no, poster and drinking not, yeah. Boone's Farm apple wine. I'm unhappy with myself on that, yeah. <laughs> Okay, I think, I think that was a little bit of an overshare just now. Um, well, all right then. Uh, was your weekend satisfying in every way? Well, you know. There you go. See? That's what I'm talking about. You might as well just give, if you're going to give a non-answer, if you're going to give a complete non-sequitur, you might as well just go all the way. You, this sort of like a, uh, how was your weekend? Well, what can you do? So, I have, my answer, I've developed this sort of perfect passive-aggressive response that I give to anybody when somebody goes, how was your weekend? I say, doesn't matter, it's over now. And then I just sort of stare at them. I'm until all they... about the future. I'm not about the past. Exactly. So I just stare at them until they leave <laughs> the office. All right. I got all of this stuff uh, to get to today. And to no one's surprise, 
I've kind of got it, it, it poorly organized. So we're going to kind of plunge on. We're going to plunge on into this just sort of a higgledy piggledy helter skelter rat a tat tat. Um, fun. All right. So first off, I wanted. I hate to start things off by asking you more budget slash finance slash bailout slash okay. whatever oh, questions. Great. great. But uh, I have a listener who wants you to clarify something. He says, okay. please ask Lisa to clarify something regarding the new decision to invest directly in banks and AIG by purchasing shares. He says, how is investing directly in a corporation by the government not going to increase corruption? Uh, and he says, you know, lobbying by corporations is bad enough. Now everybody's fate is ter- directly tied to making sure the legislation or regulation of these corporations always favors the corporation. He says, it's like putting little Debbie in charge of your diet. Um and and you know and then as a, as a follow-up question, um, you know, we kind of heard a lot that if if all of the banks and if AIG if they all failed, that everything was just going to completely implode, mm-hmm. and that's without actually even having any direct investment in the businesses. So now, if via the government we're going to have all this direct investment in all these companies who, let's be honest, blew it the first time around, isn't that going to put us at even greater risk if this all goes belly up a second time? Greater risk. That's an interesting question. Um, I think some people would make that argument for sure. I think I think there's a, there's probably a split opinion on that. I think some people would say the risk is so great right now. How is the risk? And the risk is not going to get worse. The risk is already pretty pretty bad. You know, we, we're already at, in a high risk time, uh, depending on, on on how everything turns out. And, and that's why we're you know we keep shoveling all this cash to these companies. Uh, that, you know, are the kind of the three legs of the stool or each one claims to be right. a leg on the stool or whatever uh, to, to keep them propped up. Um, but I think a lot of people would argue that the risk is it's pretty bad either way. But, you, but you're right. By continuing to prop up companies that made bad decisions and that, you know, at their core, you kind of have like the, the inside of these trees is a little bit rotten. You know, it, aren't we leaving some risk there? Well, yeah, I think I think. I I think that's right, but I think the argument is the risk is much worse if you just let the tree collapse. So this is sort of, you know what it is? So this is like uh, your thing at the beginning of our segment here when I ask how bad, you know, how are you? And you say, well, I could be better. So (laughs) So really your point with this AIG thing is it could always be worse. It feels well. It could certainly be a lot worse, and it may get worse. Okay. Uh, You know, and and uh, I think the real what everyone is concerned about at the end of the day, probably. Who, of course, there's a lot of fat cats that are worried about their own bottom line. Most people are worried about their own bottom line, but economists are most worried about jobs, and and that's where we really see it uh, just essentially a fire sale right now. And and I know you guys probably. I don't know if you talked to Kastenbaum today, but you know now we've got Citigroup laying off. Uh, you know, another 50,000 people, which is, you know, and, and now we're at this point where Congress for years, a million, billion, trillion, whatever, you know, and now we're at the point with jobs where it's like 550,000, eh, you know, I mean, it it is, these numbers are, are monumental. But I, I think the original question is a really good one, and, and there is a very serious risk uh, of government over-involvement in these companies and, and leading to potential for corruption, and that's why, uh, how the Obama administration handles all of this is going to be a very big deal. How the new Treasury Department, um, what kind of oversight do they have? How do they handle all of this money? Uh, right now, they're, you know, as we, we, you know, we only just a couple weeks ago saw which companies got the money, but, you know, they just decided. Um, they are saying right now that it is basically a hands-off, almost sort of like a, um, 
I can't believe I've forgotten the term, like a hidden investor. I know there's a better term for that kind of idea where government is not controlling the switch of these companies but just giving them money to keep going. Uh, who, who knows? If these companies start making bad decisions, will government want to step in? Who's to decide? It's, it's all very gray area. It's very uh, dangerous area, especially for a capital economy, but they say the risk of not doing anything is worse. Hey, here's a weird question. Has anybody, yeah. has anybody found Lee Iacocca, wherever it is he's living now, and asked him what he thinks about the Chrysler coming back with their handout a second time? Hey, there is a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Where's I don't know. I mean, I know that he's still, uh, you know, sort of up and around and uh, able and whatever, because I, I think he just wrote a book like a year and a half ago, something like that. Right. So, I mean, it, I'm amazed that somebody hasn't kind of gone to wherever it is he's living and asked him what he thinks about uh, sort of helping to bring Chrysler back from the dead, only to have them come back to the trough like 20 years later. Was this your master plan? I'm just, <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, it just, I'm just saying it's just, a, it's a little odd. So, I don't know. Right. No, you know, no. What the I hell think, do I know? And, I mean, it's going to be a mess because uh, the truth is the Republicans, the, the White House, and Senate Republicans are not going to back more money right now for the auto industry. Uh, Congress passed, this is where it gets really confusing, but Congress already passed this year $25 billion in loans. And that, that was supposed to help the, you know, automakers buy, buy new warehouses that will help make, help you make new fuel efficient cars. What we were talking about last week. Here's $25 billion. Right. The problem is that loan program um, takes much longer to get off the ground. And so that money hasn't, isn't really in the automaker's hands yet. Uh, but they say that still isn't going to be enough and that they do need more than that. Uh, Republicans don't buy it. They say, wait a minute, let's, you know, wait till you get this first big giant installment of cash and then we can talk. Right, I got the two things. One, yeah. we, we talked about this on Friday and this might be one of those ideas that we actually follow through on as opposed to the myriad ideas <laughs> that we come up with and then never actually execute. Uh, but I was thinking about creating some sort of a form letter for our listeners to download and then send to Congress. Maybe oh, if they've been, you know, if they've been downsized or streamlined or laid off or whatever, they can just sort of fill in the blanks. Like, dear Congressman, I recently was, you know, fired from my job as pipe fitter, and I, you know, and I am now demanding, uh, you know, and it would be some sort of prorated dollar amount that they could get from the government, especially if they were fired due to their own incompetence. You know what I mean? Then they could just uh, line up, get themselves a little something. Secondly, I like it. Secondly, um, so what are we to make of this? Uh, and just thinking about this is just tantalizing, almost beyond oh, my ability to, to describe it. What are we? What are we to make of this? Uh, this uh, Barack Obama picking Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State thing. You know, not an official deal by any stretch of the imagination. It sounds like where we are on this is he is kind of seeing if she's interested, kind of, you know, checking it out. Right. It sounds like she is deciding if she's interested, and it also sounds like uh, the Obama campaign is trying to figure out what, what to do about Bill Clinton and that there could be some really serious conflicts of interest in, kind of in the way that he um, runs his life because he is giving speeches and actually endorsing, on some occasion, uh, foreign policies that go against what his wife says or goes against uh, the government. You know, for Kazakhstan's one example, but um, <laughs> Kazakhstan aside, uh, I, it, it sounds like it's it sounds like you know West Wing has decided uh, the Secretary of State position this year. Kazakhstan aside, sounds like some sort of a uh, <laughs> it sounds like some sort of an international cleansing of, of sounds like some sort of that sounds like something <laughs> that somebody would be on trial for at Nuremberg. Kazakhstan. Aside. Where were you during the Great Kazakhstan? Stand aside. That's what I ask you. Shame. Um, is is Bill? Is it fair to say this? Is Bill Clinton 
to Hillary Clinton as Sarah Palin is to the McCain campaign. Theoretically on the same team, can't quite be controlled, goes out, says whatever he wants, uh, sometimes to the detriment of his alleged uh, partner. I would say, and also loved and hated. I yes. would, I would say, yeah, that's a great example. There's as many people love Bill Clinton, and he can do no wrong, uh, as think that he is just yes. kind of washed up and needs to chill and, out. And same, also, same sexy. thing with Sarah Palin. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, great, had, great analogy. I had more chicanery to engage in here, but I just, um, oh, oh, one, one final thing. Um, is it true? Now, I, somebody told me this. I don't know if it's true or not. Is it true that Barack Obama and John McCain are actually, I don't know, having tea and scones or something today yeah i have and it was it was uh you'll be happy to know awkward excellent yes and i can play i don't know if you can if this is going to play i'll play like a quick five second bite they're sitting there with all the cameras around them before right. the meeting and 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 they're kind of looking at each other not no one's sure what's going to say so barack obama starts talking about football and the cardinals and the bears arizona cardinals right and uh and he's talking about here in this strange cut um cardinals quarterback kurt warner so hopefully you can hear this Oh, and you can't at all. Hold on a second. Well, well, this is no, just it, as awkward, Lisa. Here we go. <laughs> exactly. Here we go. Warner stood up to be unbelievable now to be quite a, quite a performer. Yeah, and I don't know if you could hear that. Is that like last farewell to father McCain. in a nursing home or yeah, something? It was really strange. I really, I've never heard John McCain sound more like the Saturday Night Live version of himself. Where he said, "Yeah, quite." Turned out to be quite. Uh, you know, it, you know, in, in his head, you know, in his head, he has already just uh, planned to dump that wife of his and spend the rest of his time in, in an Idaho cabin. I mean, it's just I know it's true. So yeah, you know, you have to. I mean, it really, it, it was an amazing moment to see these two candidates come together. And Barack Obama was clearly in charge. And in fact, he's doing the lean back in the big armchair with the, <laughs> you know, the, the the legs crossed in the way that forms the triangle so it's totally. like legs are kind of open and spread out and it's yeah. like, hey and john mccain has got the perfect posture kind of looking around yeah kurt kurt warner yeah, he yeah just yeah. desperately hoping that a fire alarm goes off at some point <laughs> it was a little odd and there actually I, this was too long of a cut but there was also a point where he he was trying to bring up football, John McCain, but he kept getting interrupted by either uh, Lindsey Graham, who was also there, or by Barack Obama, who's like, hey, and I noticed, and then someone would say something, and then John McCain would be like, hey, I, I noticed, and then someone interrupted again, <laughs> and then he finally kind of brings up the bears, and yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it, was it was really kind of awkward, but they say it was a great meeting, and, and uh -huh. it is a good sign, uh, potentially, for bipartisanship. Uh-huh. All right. Well, yeah. Whatever. I've only I had a rim shot to play after that statement. Fantastic. Okay. This is, well, uh, I, I, that is everything I hoped for. All right. Uh, are you on tomorrow, Lisa? I am. Excellent. All right. We will talk to you tomorrow. As always, enjoy your day. And you too. All right. There you go. There's Lisa. All right. Fantastic. Hello, Sarah. Uh, You're looking resplendent in a salmon-colored sweater today. Thank you. I just purchased this yesterday at, at a vintage store. Yes. Looks well, quite fetching. I like it. Thanks. I like the color. I haven't yes. really seen one like it before. All right. Hello, Adam. Hey, Rick. Ah. Okay. You uh, preparing news for us today? As we speak. All right. Let me read a couple uh, emails here, then we'll take a break. And, uh, <coughs> pardon me. I'm trying to catch up on all of this stuff in the weekend. Um... Let's see. I'll just go through these uh, emails I got this weekend in a particular order. Rick, how is your Indian meal moth situation? Those are those moths uh, that are in my kitchen that I just... Lara and I went through. We cleaned out the entire cupboard like nine different times and just like <laughs> went through and just sprayed it like we were napalming the Mekong Delta. And just uh, it, trying it, everything we could to get rid of it. And then we put everything to the we back. And then we had like little grubby worm things on the walls. Anyway, um, he says... 
I thought we were finally done with it after years of throwing everything out. Yet this weekend we opened a sealed Tupperware container and there were grubs and moths inside. Grubs is like the creepiest word. Yeah. Granted, they uh, they couldn't get out, but it's just a reminder you will never get rid of those hideous things. Good night and good luck. No, I have those too, sir. And they're right. And the, and the thing is, here's the thing about the little larvae maggot grub thing. Wait, where are they? Where do you have them? In my kitchen. Ew. Wait, it's not my fault. Like, I didn't go out and buy them. They're just there. Are you you buy other insects and keep them in your home? That's true. Well, I was hoping that the presence of ants in the house might have scared these away. So this is that was from Todd the Corpse, by the way. So his house is filled with them as well. And it's, it's, we had everybody call me like you just can't get rid of them. They're just there forever. Um, so no, and then the weird, you know, you think they're gone, you sort of forget about it, and then you realize that they've just, uh, you know, it's like a morning Sam, morning Ralph kind of a thing. Like they've just sort of they're sleeping it off when you get up, and then you come home at night and they just sort of take over the kitchen again. It's just terrible. Uh, let's see. This email says, um, Rick Emerson Show, bringing strangers together in front of Powell's. Rick, today was at the stoplight in my work van. It's from uh, Friday. Today was at the stoplight in my work van right in front of Powell's across from Rocco's on Burnside listening to the show. The lady waiting to cross the street had her earbuds in. She pulled out the right side, looked over her shoulder, then ran over to my van and screamed at the top of her lungs, quote, Hey, the Rick Emerson Show. Woo, woo, yeah. Hell, woo, hell Yeah. Best show ever. Yeah, I'm listening right now. Yeah, woo, end quote. Uh, as she is screaming this, she throws out her hand in a high five and gives me the high five right in the middle of the road. By this time, for no reason, Rick, I am screaming along with her. I find myself saying, hell yeah, woo, yeah, yeah, rock. It was awesome and funny. Good job. That's from Dan. All right, well, glad to help with the cause of unity, sir. Um, all right. Uh, and I'm gonna, I, we, we should probably take a break. I don't think there's anything else except to say <clears throat> that um, we should thank, and I meant to do this on Friday, and then I didn't, now I feel like a jerk. Um, so the, on Friday, we had this whole uh, little giddy moment, like children on Christmas, where we were opening the new Viso flavors here in the studio. So we have a, a thank you and then a clarification. First off, the thank you. Uh, so we want to thank John, who is the guy, one of the Viso distributors, who actually dropped it by. And the reason I want to thank him is because he dropped it by the, he dropped off a case of each on Friday. And I think we completely neglected to mention his name, thank him, acknowledge him as the source who said Viso. So I got an email him from him Friday afternoon, where the presence of a winky emoticon notwithstanding, he did sound ever so slightly um, in a state of peak about it. And he said, like it would have killed you to say thank you. Come on. John, winky emoticon. So, John, uh, thank you so much. Clarification on the visa point. So, Sarah and I had both thought that the two new flavors of Viso were, in fact, the same flavor. In other words, both caffeinated, one sugar-free, one not. I think we were just too excited about the new Viso. To even read the label. We had the label, like, right here. Right in front of us. <laughs> So we were saying that they were both blood orange and green apple. That is actually not the case. Viso Star, which I don't think I don't think either of them are on sale for like another week. Viso Star is blood orange and green apple. I still have the Viso Star in my fridge at home. Yeah, oh. I haven't had that yet. Actually, I've only had the Dynamo. Viso. Oh, no, I counted my friends with it all weekend. I'm like, do you see what this is? Yeah. All I had is the Dynamo, and the Dynamo is uh, grapefruit and Concord grape. Uh, that's what I had Friday night, actually, before I went to Roger Klein. And it, uh, it's quite something. So if you haven't tried it yet, you can't. Uh, it's, I, but I think it does go on sale. Although I've seen a few people um, 
uh, it would actually have it in their MySpace profile already, like a picture of the bottle. So I think it's starting to kind of leak out into stories. Oh, Mailman Chris is obsessed. His yeah. profile pictures of the two of them back to back. So thank you, John, for dropping that off. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back after this with Adam Thompson at the ministry. Listeners are confused. They say Tim Riley is moving to Nashville. They didn't hear anything about this. Well, hmm. if you're on hold about Tim Riley, we'll uh, talk about that when we get back. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. It is Monday. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. So it's sort of a yan ying kind of a thing or a word like that. Um, because I would say I'm now back at about 92%. Uh, my voice is almost back normal. The slide is a bit ragged and, of course, all the dust in the studio doesn't help. Uh, but I would say I'm more or less, uh, I'm more or less back, in, back in fighting trim, as they say. But... So, as I've gotten better, Richie is actually fine, although I expect him to be injured by the end of the day because he's wobbling around like some sort of a failing gyroscope in high heels. Tim Riley is actually so ill, he is not at work today, so he's been uh, he's been filled in for by Adam Thompson, who really does look about three different shades of... Super pasty and sickly? I, yeah, I was going to go with sweaty and fatigued, but the judges would also accept pasty and sickly. Um, and who is Shades of Tim, who has been heard to complain repeatedly during uh, our break so far that, quote, the print in the news stories is too small to read, which is exactly what Tim says uh, about every 45 seconds. And I am having the worst cramps of my life. There you go. Let's put it out there. I'm just putting it out there. It hurts. I'm in pain. I want to be hugging my hot water bottle at home, but we're just going to get through this. Now, here's the thing. I, uh, I'm i not saying that the cramps themselves are funny. They are not, and I uh, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> no, I'm really not. I mean, I just I understand that that is part of the female curse. Um, and it, it is, really is a curse. Why does God hate women so? It's because uh, it's because of all that business with the snake in the garden. Uh, I think, and just because why do I have to suffer for their sins? Uh, why? I would also say because of your generally evil nature. But that's just my take well, on I the situation. I am quite evil. This yeah. is true. Um, so, uh, but here's the thing. So while I'm not making fun of that, here's what I am making fun of. During the break, Sarah is. Oh. Sarah is assuming this, I'm going to say assuming the position, that sounds wrong, but Sarah is sort of trying to find a comfortable way of sort of stretching or... pressure on it to like make it not hurt. So I don't mean that, yeah. So I mean, so Sarah's trying to put pressure on the lower part of her abdomen abdomen. (laughs) to to make the cramping uh, less painful. And so this is what she's doing during the break. I walk out of the studio, I come back in. And have you ever seen the behind-the-scenes thing for the original Superman where Christopher Reeve is flying? But to film it, he's just he's he's basically laying on like a short glass footstool that is on his stomach. And he's like, you know, stretching it like, I can fly. But really, it's just like, I'm laying on a big glass footstool. Sarah is on her chair. Sarah is, like Christopher Reeve, stretched out on her stomach, hands and feet extended. Akimbo. <laughs> Yes, uh, 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 laying on your stomach across the chair. I mean, completely it's not rigid. Helping. It is not helping. And we used to have like, um, like cramp medicine stuff, like PM- right. whatever. I don't know what it's called. Whatever the. It's like a PMS, menstrual. like a mitol, whatever. Yeah. Is that Mitalton. gone? 
And some evil man took it out of the an evil man out of the sure. first aid kit because they wanted me to suffer even more. Well, that is true. Oh my God, it just hurts so much. Yeah. You don't even know. No, I don't. The hell, no, we don't. <laughs> we could do a whole high concept about this, except that nobody would have the answer. I could ask, what is? See, because here's the thing: guys will often say, "Well, you women don't know what it's like, what it's like to get kicked in the store." You know, you kicked right in the I junk. I think this is someone has said, like, medically, isn't it, like, kind of compared, like, the aching you get afterward is kind of like the cramps that women get? See, but I don't know, and nobody does. That's the whole thing. It's by definition, no one can know. Just as no one can know what evil lurks in the hearts of men except for the shadow, no what? one knows the pain. What if somebody had, like, their hormone replacement thing, and they were a woman, and they used to have cramps, but then they grew a little hoo-hoo, and then um, <laughs> they get kicked in that? Then they'd be able was to that like a Was that sort of a... Um, was that sort of an hourly rented beeping sound you just did there? Know. Like boop, boop. I thought it was too early to say penis. Like a <laughs> Oh, I didn't even know that was supposed to stand for penis. All right. I didn't know the penis was implied to the whole thing. No, because it's so... not the hoo hoo that hurts when you get kicked in, it's the hoo hoo's that hurt when you get kicked in. Okay, so in. if you grow your hoo hoo's. Yes. I don't even know what we're talking about <laughs> With now. This special medicine. Testes, Rick, testes. Oh okay. Um by the way, just so, but Rick, aren't you? You're crossing over the fact that what a genius idea it is. We have to find somebody who used to be a woman, who then became a man, who had I period cramps. Richie Bristol. They don't give you real testicles when you have a sex change operation. I don't think. I don't. You just get like marbles. Don't ask me. I don't mean marbles euphemistically. Like, aren't they just like little silicone or silicone? Uh, we need to find balls? this out. <laughs> no, I mean actual balls. <laughs> Like the rubber bouncing ball. You yes, exactly. Yeah, like I realized as I said that jacks. it sounded awkward, but I'm actually talking about real, actual, like a, like a rubber ball. You get small uh, oh. rubber balls that they uh, that they put there. <laughs> Sorry, we're twelve. No, I'm just saying You're that's right. what they are. But I don't know. Like out of the vending machine at the at but the Safeway. Do they? Do they? Do we know this for sure? I don't. But I, but they don't. But they don't give you. Where would they even? Okay, we have to quit after this. But where would they even get like a spare pair of? testicle to, to staple on Maybe, you. Maybe, you know, because you know, women want to become men and sometimes men want to become women. Don't they get rid of those suckers? Okay, but let me ask you this. That actually prompts this. We haven't even started the news hour. That actually prompts this question. Sorry, we're just helping Tim out. He's a little nervous. I, uh, Adam. Sorry, Adam. Sorry, Adam. He just looked a little pasty and shaky. But, but, okay. but don't you wonder this, actually? Don't you wonder... In other words, what is the more frequently performed operation? Is it man to woman or woman to man? I'm guessing, this is just for me, I'm guessing way more men have the operation to become women I think that it would be women more becoming men. Nah, see, I think you're right I live, I live next to the E-room. So uh, see, be. so I, maybe you're a little skewed. Your yeah, sample he... base is uh, not, not, not wholly representative. Some of them, the women who have become men, my God, you cannot tell. Well, but, and also this, you're a lot luckier if you're, I mean, relatively speaking, you're a lot luckier if you're a woman who's going to become a man than uh, you are if you're a man who's going to become a woman. Because... A, I think medically speaking, it might be a little easier. I don't really know. But also, let's be honest. If you're a guy who becomes a woman, the odds are you're going to end up being just butt ugly. I mean, you're just going to look like a mud fence when it's done, most likely. I mean, there are exceptions, I'm sure. But if you're a guy who becomes a woman, you're going to end up looking uh, all kinds of homely. If you're a woman who, en who, who gets you know turned into a man... Worst case scenario, you're going to be kind of a feminine, pretty-looking man, which still works out well for you. Mm. I mean, you know what I mean? Like a butch-looking... Like uh, my friend Jenny, who looks like a cute boy. Totally. That's what I'm saying. She'd make a good guy. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, Dave's didn't just put something in the window. Really? Let's see what it is. Is it pampering? Oh, God, I hope so. Maybe it's from his own personal stash. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> what is it? Here. It's PMST. That's not like post-mital stress 
therapy. It's a, like an actual tea bag. It is PMS tea. Promotes a healthy premenstrual cycle. This statement has not been evaluated with the FDA. All right. Well, these are the same people that make throat coat, so. For answers. So it's like ovary coat. Um, pardon me, i got to go put on my ovary coat. It is cold outside. Rubber balls. Okay. Anyway, so, uh, but I'm just, to, to summarize here, I think if you're a woman who becomes a guy, you probably got it easier. Because then again, the worst case scenario, you're going to be sort of a pretty guy. We should ask some of Richie's drag queen friends. If any of them have had an operation, if there are any of them are post-op, if they, if they have are transsexuals. Yeah. All right. Um, I know Richie was saying how he wanted to maybe bring some of them in at some point. Oh, by the way, and, and just as a final, and I swear to God, this will be the final thought, then we'll start the actual news hour. <laughs> So Richie is walking around <laughs> in high heels today, um, you know, and he's sort of, you know, teetering around, you know, like a, like a thing um, to get to get used to walking in high heels. And so that's not weird enough. But as Sarah was complaining about her menstrual cycle uh, just now, Richie demonstrating just a phenomenal misunderstanding of the female reproductive system and I think of physiology in general. Richie asked Sarah if, to help with her PMS cramps, if she, quote, wanted some diarrhea medicine. <laughs> so He was like, hey, Sarah, you want some of this anti-diarrhea? <laughs> no, so, no. So in his head, I don't really know what the inside of the female, like, sort of uh, abdominal area looks like. Well, just a big circle. <laughs> I was just like one, if it's just, just one. Toss things in there, maybe it'll work. <laughs> if it's just one, one sort of big container <laughs> of stuff and, like, you know, one way in, one way out for everything. I, I don't really know if it sort of looks like a mystery science theater when they did that inside camera uh, thing. But, you know, anywho. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you please pay heed to Adam Thompson. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, I'm not Tim Riley. Sometimes I wish I was. So we should, uh, <coughs> pardon me, clarify right now. You know, during the break I was eating something, which is always a mistake. That's why I don't eat during the show. No, you never eat during the show. No, I have one of those protein bars. The yummy peanut butter ones? Yeah. And I got, you know, I think, you know, the, the thing where you eat something and it's any other kind of dry. You know, it's, it's like I get a, a little something caught in my throat. Um, so I'm going to have some refreshing uh, water here in just a moment to sort of uh, to get that all taken care of. My, 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 my one observation here is going to be... Uh, as we sort of plunge on into the uh, news hour, Tim Riley not moving to Nashville. So apparently, Richie says listeners are confused. They think Tim Riley is moving to Nashville. Timmy Ryan, sometimes called Tim Ryan, uh, it, it, because I think he actually did start calling himself Timmy to distinguish himself from Tim Riley. Isn't yep. that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so he's really only called Timmy Ryan because Tim Riley already worked here, and we didn't want to. And at one point there was because he goes by Tim in life. Exactly. And at one point there was Tim Riley, Tim Ryan, Tim Savage, Sarah Wagner, and Sarah Dillon. All on the station at the same time. So, uh, Tim Ry- Tim Riley, homesick, returning soon. Timmy Ryan, moving away to Nashville, returning twice a year, probably at least once to uh, drop his girlfriend stuff back on when she uh, back it off when she dumps him and you know comes back. So that's just I'm my speculation. Are, are they still moving together? Oh Adam? yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're driving out. They're starting their uh, cross-country trek tomorrow together in the same automobile. Can I tell you something? God, I wish that they, like, microphone, like, you could... You want to be a fly on that wall? We should just give them a digital recorder and say, dude, you have to tape it and you have to send it to us. How long is the drive from here to Nashville? Uh, I don't know how often they're stopping. I would guess probably about, you know, three days if you take oh, stop at night, you know? Wow. 
That car is going to be filled with blood by the time I get there. Another like, this studio is about to be. <laughs> I can't even. Can I just tell you this? Here's a little secret. Um, I was at the store the other day. I think it might have been Saturday afternoon. Um, I was at I was at the store, and I was standing behind Shelly, and she didn't see me. This is, uh, oh. Timmy Ryan's uh, GF. I, I was out. I was standing behind her, and I actually, I'm, I'm sure she's a great girl. But I was standing behind her at the store. And she didn't notice me, and I actually stood there for a while, and in my own head I had that discussion about, should I say hello? She doesn't notice me. What if she notices me and then realizes I've been standing here and haven't said anything? Then she's going to think I don't like her. Mm-hmm. You know, if I say hello, she's just going to talk to me about her and Timmy moving to Nashville, and then I'm going to blurt out, it's a mistake! <laughs> All right, maybe I should, wait, hold on. Is she going to turn around? You know someone's no, making a mistake and they know that they are? Because Timmy's like, I know that Rick's right. When you left, he's like, I know, I know he's right. I know this is going to end poorly. It's just like, then why? Why are you doing it? Because they're in love, Sarah. I don't mean to sound crass about the whole thing. I'm just, look, I'm just saying, um, how, I mean, if, if I can talk about them behind their backs, how old are they? How old's Timmy? 20, he's going to turn 28 in a month. How old is she? Mid-30s. Well, Mid-30s? all right. Maybe uh-huh. less of a mistake for, I was going to say less of a mistake for her, but that's certainly not true because she's moving somewhere with uh, with Timmy. I was going to say, you know, but, you know, as Lycus always says, in your mid-30s, you're, Able to maybe make that decision a little more clear-headedly. You know, cause, you know, I mean, you move in with somebody when you're like 20, you're just asking for trouble. But Ugh. who knows? I mean, it's, uh, you know, all right, well, well, then maybe she sees something we uh, we don't. I uh, I mean, you know. I think she doesn't see something we see. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. think it's the other? She has the blind spot. That's why a... Timmy keeps her perpetually drunk. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's like, um. That's like you. That's like you always hear about those. I mean, um, heck, he comes home and he convinces. He says that she stinks from the bar and she needs to get out of her own bed. Yes. And go sleep on the couch, and she does it willingly. That's like you always hear about those. Uh, you always hear about those. Uh, those uh, the women that have been kidnapped by some religious cult, and it's like the guy just denies them any protein in their diet and also gives them a lot of uh, like uh, Nyquil all the time, so they're just wandering around in a haze. Because the guy figures if they ever just sober up and are able to think straight, they're going to bolt for the door. Yeah. <laughs> he just keeps her liquored up all the time. Jesus. All right. Here is Adam Thompson at the Ministry of Truth. All right. Well, I got some pig news here. Uh, a huge pig named Bruce has trapped a terrified woman in her home in Australia. Caroline Hayes, she's 63, tried to leave her house in Yukai, New South Wales, to use the outdoor toilet, but the animal bit her and shoved her back inside. Bruce who was the size of a Shetland pony, showed up at her home 10 days ago after his owners were unable to cope with him and let him loose in the rainforest. By the way, it's all worth it just for the phrase, a pig the size of a Shetland pony. Comparing anything to a pony in terms of size is funny. That's comedy. I don't know what they're doing down there in Australia with pony-sized pigs. But uh, Hayes began feeding the beast, as they refer to it. Is that what the kids call it now? <laughs> yeah. I'll be back in a second. got to go feed the beast. You know what I'm talking about. the... Uh, charming diction of the foreign news press. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Hayes began feeding the beast, but he became more aggressive, demanding more food and biting her on the leg when she tried to go to the toilet. Local rangers tried to rescue her, but could not capture the huge animal. Uh, the case has now been handed over to the Rural Lands Protection Board. So she was in her living room? Mm-hmm. So she's in her living room. There's a pig the size of a pony who demands food and bites her savagely on the leg if she tries to use the toilet. Yes. It's I don't something missing from this story. Seriously, doesn't I, did, I was like, gonna, where did the pig come from? I was going to say, there aren't there components to this story that we're not hearing somehow? <laughs> well, they said the, the, the pig was released into the rainforest, and then it just... I there guess are no just... rainforest in Australia. You're making that up. 
It's, uh, foreign press is telling me that it's in the rainforest. Yeah, I thought in Australia it was just like one big stretch of sage grass. But that might mean something in Australia. Like maybe rainforest means vast, empty land. <laughs> rainforest in means, means taco cart. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, check this out. So it says here, Hayes, let me say here, Hayes told how she took pity on the beast. But it soon took over her home, so it sounds like she was being a Samaritan. This is just like in. Linda Hamilton, uh, you know, when she feels pity for Ron Perlman because he has to live in a sewer underneath her apartment. I guess the pig raised its hoof and knocked on her <laughs> her, her, co- her cottage entryway and was allowed entrance. That's the question. Like, why would you open the door if there's a, <laughs> a horse-sized pig? Seriously, let me add, go around the room. If you open, if you looked at the little spyglass or your keyhole or whatever, well, first of all, I don't know if you could see. Maybe she had to open the door. It might be. I never answered. How the big door. is a pony? A Shetland pony's pony? I've never seen... No, is a Shetland pony like a real pony? It's, no, it's one of those... I, like actually, a miniature pony? I used to live, when I was a child, in my neighborhood, a woman used to walk a Shetland pony like a dog every day by Doesn't my house. Doesn't it have to be bigger than a normal pony? Because they're making a big deal out of things. No, 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 the they're small. A Shetland, Shetland pony is it's a small It's a miniature pony. pony. Yes. What, well, how big is it? How big is a small pony? It's it, maybe a few feet high. Oh, so here's the thing. So you wouldn't see it if you looked at the key, the little hole thing. No, I'm imagining looking out the keyhole and seeing like a pig with a, a bike helmet and a... Russian oh, service. White collared shirt. And... Are you registered to vote? Oink, oink. I'll just in a few moments you're talking about that. Uh, all right. So apparently she took pity on it, let it in the house, and she says, one of its eyes couldn't see out. It couldn't see out of. So I put cream in it. But apparently it's actually claimed my land and claimed my place. It started getting very pushy, started pushing me around. So I started to get a bit frightened until the stage that it started knocking on my door at 4 a.m., Actually, headbutting my door. Wait a minute. I she thought the cream I thought the pig's eye. I creamed the, in the pig's eye. I thought the pig was just. I thought the pig was just in the living room. I thought it just was like for a day. I didn't realize they had a relationship. This is getting. Yeah, I think, I think there's some sort of Stockholm, codependency you know. going on. Totally. <laughs> Stockholm pig syndrome. Terrorist hostage. Hostage terrorist. <laughs> the study in home syndrome, Rick. It's a new. We're gonna <laughs> coin this. <laughs> All right. It's like she played chicken with the pig. It's like, you don't think I'm going to call the cops? I'm going to do it. I, uh, it would have been nicer if they could have been friends. I, I think we've extracted all the comedy for the story. We I have. don't know. No way. Are you kidding me? We could get four hours of comedy out of this picture. Is there more? All right. Uh, that's the whole story. Watch so watch out for pigs in Australia, people. That's the gist. You crazy down under right, pig wrestlers. Move on. Uh, giving new meaning to the phrase, beating the tar out of you. A couple has been beaten to death in a bizarre non-smoking ritual. I keep saying I can mess it up. Bizarre stop smoking ritual because it's another foreign press thing. These, you know, things. Uh, police spokesman Ku Chinwa told the official Burnamum News Agency that uh, Mohammed Ibrahim Kadir Miadin, 47, and his wife Rosina Medin Pillay. <laughs> 41, sustained head injuries in a beating intended to cure them of smoking and other illnesses. Are they dead? They are dead. Well, so it, I mean, it did work in a sort of roundabout fashion. They aren't smoking. I mean, unless they're being poked by a smoky stick in hell. Uh, the 15-year-old daughter of one of the four relatives who participated in the beating was also attacked and is fighting for her life in a hospital. Police said that Muhammad Ibrahim asked family to help him kick his smoking habit and confided in relatives that his wife was suffering from <laughs> asthma and a liver ailment. Following this... A 23-year-old male relative suggested that the couple undergo a ritual which involved all family members joining forces to beat up the couple and rid them of their ailments, Ku told Bernema. The couple's heads were smashed on tables and beaten with crash helmets and brooms. They were beaten with crash helmets? I like the irony of being beaten by a helmet. Oh, the that's, irony! That's fantastic. Oh, excellent. I love this world and everything about it. 
Why uh, could they just... Like, what happened to flushing cigarettes down the toilet? Whatever happened to chopping off your wife's thumb? Come on. Nicotine patch. Gum? Uh, Beaten uh, with a helmet. Okay, uh, I here's got... Adam Thompson at the Ministry of Truth. Okay, I'm going to do a... Uh, Political story here, or was that wave of the news at me? He was just waving a sheaf of paper. Gonna... Is that to indicate that there's going to be sound required? You are a smart right, man. I am. So... A... I'm ready. All righty. So uh, for the first time since Barack Obama's historic presidential election, he and the man he defeated, John McCain, are meeting in Chicago. Obama and the Arizona Republican senator pledged in their meeting to work together to face the country's financial woes and other national challenges. Roll tape. All right. This is uh, cut number one. This is McCain and Obama. Oh, I'm sorry, that's me. i got to turn this off. Hold on. My, uh... We're just going to have a good conversation about how uh, we can do some work together to uh, fix up the conference. And, uh, and also to offer thanks to Senator McCain for the outstanding... Automatic card shuffler. <laughs> right? That's, by the way, that's how you can tell they're really going to get a lot of work done, because they're meeting at a coffee house, and there's like 500 photographers ringing them. So. Shuffle up and deal. Yeah. When asked if he would help Obama, McCain replied, quote, Obviously... That's hope for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Good Lord. It's not nearly as good as the soundbite that Lisa played, though, where McCain just seems completely disinterested in the entire thing. It's funny. Obama's talking about football to him, trying to be, you know, to relate to him, and he goes, yeah, yeah. whatever. My French, I don't like football. <laughs> hey, that's, that's a little... <laughs> I thought I was getting charmingly archaic with that, that term. I don't believe that's a thing you can say. I think that... I, I believe it, I don't think it's meant the way you're thinking that it's meant, Rick. But I believe that is a yeah, not like a hairstyle. I believe that is a crude euphemism for the female area. You know, I never thought of it like that. I thought it was just. <laughs> I, no, you thought you were talking about her what ankle. Did you think, what what part of the body did I you think it was? Like a, I saw it in like a WC Fields routine ten years ago, and I thought it was just a nice way to say lady friend. I, I no. I don't think that that word means what you think it means. Well, I know, I just I know what it means, but I thought it was quaint, not No, here's obscene. the here's the reason <coughs> pardon me that I uh <coughs> I apologize. We're going to take a break here in a second, Sarah. I need to no uh, problem. I know, I need to go get some uh, like hot water or something. I need to make my PMST. No, this is just you know what it is? It's like when you get a popcorn seed or something with your teeth. That's a, I've got, I've gotten, you know, just like the tiniest uh, bit of like food kind of like stuck on my uh, whatever in my craw. Can't quite get it taken care of. Jump that! <laughs> you know what craw means, Rick? Here's why I think that word you used is probably not acceptable. I'm basing it so it's a solely a contextual thing to me. And by that I mean, I used to work with this uh, jackhole DJ uh, named Greg in what we will call another radio market. And he would always use that term, which we will not repeat on the air. But, as you said, it is uh, like a hairstyle. Or perhaps <laughs> a... Uh, Perhaps a method for grooming one's hair. Hmm. He would always use that phrase, though, on like a Friday afternoon when talking about what he was going to be doing that night. Yeah. It was sort of like, you know, what are you doing? It was either, I'm going to go uh, find me some bitches, or he would say, I'm going to go out and get me some, and then it was that word. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never heard it used like that. He would totally use it. He'd say, I'm going to go out and get me some, and then he would say that. Thank and you. so. And, and you know, and he was just a just, just a jackass. He was just a total tool user. And so, based upon based upon the the type of guy he was, and the context in which it was used, I'm guessing that almost certainly means something untoward. Do you know? So you're just doing this based on a hunch? No, it's true. It is. Uh, it's a thing. It's a mere speculation at this point. So, if anybody, I mean, this could. I could, could be way off. Out. I mean, it, it's a word that starts with T. If anyone's confused. 
And it's, you know, what you say if you're, like, in 1949 and you're on shore leave, you know. So, uh, you know, sorry, so I didn't mean to get dumped. But, you know, it's kind of historic for me. I've been dumped on the Rick Emerson Show. There you go. Well, oh, yeah. first time for everyone. Look at the positive. Back yes. after this, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. Indeed. Thank you for coming along. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, coming up later on, another exciting installment of The Greatest Songs Ever Made. We'll do uh, today's top five. Top five songs about sickness. Uh, let's see. What else have we got? Uh, we'll talk to senior radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, Geek Watch deal to come today. Uh, Cannibal Watch. Uh, penis watch, I think. Uh, it all drifted, drifted together for a while. Let's see, Rick. Regarding bacon. Oh, dude, can I tell you this? So, listener um, Steve, this guy, uh, Steve, who's been a listener to the show for a long, a long time. I mean, probably, I would say for the bulk of the whole 10 years, if not the whole 10 years that we've been uh, doing this uh, show in Portland, he actually, um, not that I want to, I don't want to encourage this kind of behavior on the part of, like, everybody. He actually stopped by my house on Saturday and gave me bacon gumballs. I forgot to bring them in, though. They're still sitting on my coffee table at home. What's that? Wait, what did you say? Uh, stopped by my house and dropped off some bacon gumballs. Uh-huh. Not to be, to be fair. I, see, now, see, I'm trying to find a line. Because I, I want to sound on the one hand like, a, you know, don't you know who I am? Stay away from me. But on the other hand, really, I just don't like anybody to talk to me ever under any I circumstances. I never answer my door. Ever, That's what unless I'm, saying. I'm expecting somebody. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I could, you know, have won a million dollars in the publisher's clearinghouse. I would, I just never answer it. So let's clarify two things right now. A, I don't want any of you to ever come by my house. Uh, but B, it has nothing to do with the fact you being listeners. I don't want anybody to come by. My, I don't want family to come by my house. Friends. I want people of all pigs. But political, yes, political pollsters, religious proselytizers. My landlord. See, I, I, I respect you, and I never go to your house. See, I've been to your house like twice in six years. I think you've been inside my house once, and I can tell you when I it was. I went to your old house too. Yes, once. Into the old house once. You came to the. You've been in my new house once, and I can tell you when it was actually. It was two. This is how. Okay, this, by the way, in case you wonder exactly how deep my antisocial tendencies go, I can actually tell you, Sarah, the one time you were in my home. You were in my home in May of 2004, uh, because that's, we were doing a Cinco de Mayo party. That's where we did our Cinco de Drinco, and we were at, what was that place, the Old Barn? Remember that place? Oh, yeah, the Old Barn, barn, yeah. It's where uh, our our friend Rob White, who was a a salesperson and who was a man of... uh, of size, that was the event where he was sitting on a plastic chair and it just went, it just went poof, down underneath him at one point on the patio. But you came by my house uh, because we were going to the Cinco de Mayo party together. And then we went to that that really the crab shack or whatever. Totally. That thing that had that weird upstairs bar because I wanted to have a cocktail before yeah. we got to the thing. Yeah. So anyway, so lest anybody think it's just I'm just speaking to listeners. It has nothing to do with listeners are included in this. It's just that I don't like people of any kind ever uh, coming to my home because I don't like. Uh, 
Any physical, uh, you know, or interpersonal contact, if I can avoid it. And on and that, then I came once. No, we can no. all agree on that. Yeah, and then one other time I remember when you already had Max. I can't remember why I was over there, though. Was I picking up something well, from maybe. him? Maybe. Possible. Anyway, uh, but, but so th- that notwithstanding, so so this this guy, Steve, who's been a long-time listener, he stopped by my house on either Saturday or Sunday. And uh, to be fair, he didn't even actually come to the door. He sent a small child. So I think maybe he knew that I could not turn away, you know, one of the youth. So there's a knock at the door, and I look out. And just like with the pig, I didn't see anybody. But that's because there was like this seven-year-old or something at the door. And I open it up, and the seven-year-old or however old he is, he says, Here you go. These are from Steve. And he hands me this tin of bacon-flavored bubblegum balls, um, which are still sitting at home. They're unopened. I'm going to bring them in tomorrow so Richie can try one. Um, anyway, so there you go. But, but So that is, that is sort of in reference to this email. Rick, today I went to the store to get some bacon salt for the first time. After leaving the store, I, of course, had to open it to try some. Wow, those guys are gods. Being that I had a few more stops, I had it sitting in my car. And every time I got back in after a stop... The car smelled of bacon. As a fat American, Rick, I love the smell and taste of bacon. So I think they should also make bacon-scented car air fresheners. As someone that does not always get to eat bacon, at least I could smell it every day. Until they make the bacon air freshener, Rick, I think I will make one myself by... Cutting open a tea bag and refilling it with bacon salt and hanging it from my rearview mirror. Genius. That is uh, Joe in Forest Grove. God bless you, Joe. You are what makes this country preeminent. Uh, anyway, so I got bacon gumballs. I'm going to bring those in tomorrow. <laughs> you should get that checked out, buddy. <laughs> All right. Bacon gumballs. It's a disorder. Adam Thompson. Perhaps it's an infection. Let's move on. Something like that. Okay, I'm going to read some very important, pertinent, crucial news. That has to do with our national security. Are our... you being ironic? No. Okay. I'm being quite literal. This right. is of grave, grave import, Rick. Red Hot Country singer Taylor Swift, who recently denied rumors that she is prego, has had a hard time buying underwear since she hit it big. The teen star spoke about her trouble with undies to a women's health magazine in a recent cover story. She said that during a recent trip to Victoria's Secret, she was taken aback at just how many people were watching her. I look up, and there are, like, 15 people looking at me with camera phones out. Like this hard. girl annoys me. She is constantly talking about how famous she is. Whenever she opens her stupid mouth. Is, to be man. fair, she is famous. I know, but she's really? always talking about it. It's like, yeah. we're all aware you're famous. Yes, you know what? You made the choice to go into that industry. Deal with it. Did you ever read the, um, I, the to be fair, I mean, and obviously, as you know, the... Uh, you're just trying to be fair because you stalk her. The, the Rick Emerson show has a long and tangled history. And by Rick Emerson show, I mean me, Rick Emerson. Uh, and a long and tangled relationship with Taylor Swift. You, I think this is before your time, Adam. I think it's before you were working at CBS Radio. Do you know the Taylor Swift story the, the, about me and Taylor Swift? I don't believe I do. Sarah, should I uh, give a recap of the story, or would you like? Well, to? she's very famous. You should tell of course, recap she is. She is. Yeah, of course. If and I saw her, I'd stare at her in Victoria's Secret. Should I? Uh, should I regale Adam with the Taylor Swift tale? Yes. Yes. So we used to do uh, this studio used to be over at Third Avenue in the Coin Tower, right next to Couple uh, FM, uh, which is you know one of our sister stations. Um, and so we, and you've been over there probably. Where there, there's Couple, there's a production room, and then there's this tiny room that was our studio when we first started working for CBS. Yeah. And there's a bathroom right down the hall, which is you know sort of the, the, the bathroom for just the jocks and the air talent, whatever you know. And it's you know sort of so if you're on the air, that's the bathroom you use. And there's one in the rest of the building, I guess, for the sales folk. Anyway, so Sarah and I, 
uh, and Tim were doing the show, and I can't remember if it was, if it was I think it was before the show, because I think the, I think the, the couple morning show was still on. So I think it must have been around 9.45, something like that. So Sarah and Tim and I are in there prepping for the show. Taylor Swift is in the couple uh, studio being interviewed by the morning show. So that's the sort of background. Unbeknownst to me, she, Taylor Swift, leaves the couple studio, goes down the hall, and goes into the bathroom. And again, there's only one bathroom. There's no men's bathroom, no women's bathroom. There's one unisex bathroom over there. That is, everybody has to use it. All of, we all had to use it. The engineers, the couple jocks, everybody. So Taylor Swift, uh, you know, they go to a break, and she's like, I got to use the bathroom. I have to powder my nose. So she goes down the hall. She goes into the bathroom. I come back. Sarah has gone to the kitchen. And we should say at this point that Sarah and I, if you don't already know this, Sarah and I have a warm sibling-like relationship in which some of the usual boundaries uh, that exist between men and women and male and female co-workers don't really exist. So I come back. Sarah has gone to the kitchen. I believe Sarah to be in the bathroom. Oh. I, of course, need to use the bathroom because I'm on a very regular schedule with that kind of a thing. So, like, i gotta get in, I got to get in. Use me the bathroom. So I go over and I do this, you know, I do that thing. You, do, you jiggle the handle. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's locked. Sarah is not in the studio, so I assume, I assume that it's Sarah. <laughs> well, I'm off talking to, like, Carol at the front desk or something. Yeah, Sarah's nowhere near the bathroom. I assume that it is Sarah in the bathroom. So what do I do? Do I say, pardon me, is someone in there? Or do I say, um... Hey, Sarah, it's me, uh, Rick Emerson. I uh, need to use the restroom whenever you're done. No, I just just immediately start pounding on the door, and I forget exactly what I said, but thinking Sarah's in there, I'm kind of hitting the bathroom door really hard and saying something like, Come on, get out of there! Yeah. I know you're in there! Yeah. Which, and I mean, as she described it later, she's just sitting, and it's kind of a weird bathroom anyway, because the bathroom is sort of, it's, it's a one-person bathroom, but it's kind of huge, I think, because they need to make it like so a wheelchair can turn around and everything. So it's kind of a big bathroom, so you sort of, you're sitting on the toilet, and you do feel kind of exposed. Because of the size of this big square room you're in. And meanwhile, there's some guy whose voice you don't recognize, uh, some creepy radio guy, pounding on the door, and then he begins bellying at you. I know you're in there. Come on out. So, and, and then, of course, the door opens, and it's not Sarah so much as it's Taylor Swift. So, <laughs> and, who, and, and, let's, and by the way. Who looked just, terrified. Who looked terrified, probably was terrified, and at the time, I think, was not even 16. So, uh, better. Yeah, so that was awkward. Um Anyway, so there you go. So and apparently she can't buy underwear either. All right. Yeah, she. Is, uh, people were looking at her. Here's Adam Thompson. Okay, I'm gonna do a. Uh... How you feeling over there? Seem like you're fading on me. I'm not fading. I feel really good. You need another. All right. Though. I'm just saying. You just seem like uh, seem like the spunk that was present merely 35 minutes ago has now started to. Uh... No, no, no. Maybe because you shamed him because he thought that he was saying something funny for the air. And by the way, I did a canvas of the KUFO staff no, and they bad. agree with me. By no, the way, they, my assessment was correct. Yeah, the KUFO time. staff really know their stuff. <sighs> I love that you guys. It's a creepy sound. Don't ever make that noise again. No, I'm one of them. We're all very smart. All right. Here's Adam People. Thompson, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Senator Ted Kennedy has returned to work after a long recovery from brain surgery. Kennedy had a cancerous tumor removed. Accompanied by his wife, Vicki, the veteran Massachusetts Democrat expressed gratitude. Mm, hold on. Where's the sound of Ted Kennedy expressing uh, era, era. gratitude? So we're very thankful for all the, the uh, good thoughts and prayers that we've received over the, uh, the time. Uh, we're looking forward, this, uh, forward to this uh, session, and uh, we're uh, delighted to be back. I think Ted, Ted Kennedy looked like an old Russian woman. I mean, you look at him, you can just sort of see. It's like, you know, all you need to do is just wrap, like, the scarf, the bushka thing or whatever it is around him. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, he just looks like he looks like one of those sort of you know those Eastern Bloc uh, women that would be standing in line for some sort of splintery toilet paper. Yeah, his head looks like a fleshy sack of taters. <laughs> All right. So, in a rousing speech to the Democratic National Convention in late August, Kennedy vowed to be back at work uh, in January to greet the new president. Kennedy said he's very grateful for the calls and letters of support that he has received during his recovery. The uh, president-elect has indicated that this is going to be a priority, and I certainly hope it will. We've got a good uh, team. They've, they've been working over the period of the late summer and uh, into, the, uh, into the fall, and they've been doing a lot of good work, and I think we've got a, a good start on it. By the way, let me just say this. Now, keep in mind, as we do with all uh, elected officials, federal or otherwise, we wish Ted Kennedy a long life and the best of health. And I, uh, I mean that sincerely. And here's why I mean that. Do you ever do this? And I don't mean to sound morbid, but I think this is something we all do. And then I will tie this back to Ted Kennedy. Do you ever, um, there's no way to say this and not, and not just sound creepy, but, but do you ever sort of, like in your own head, kind of role play or play act uh, the eventual death of a friend, family member, loved one? And you sort of anticipate in your head, like, eh, it's going to be a weird day. How am I, I going to act when that happens? You know what I mean? Every hour of every day I do that. <laughs> do you, what number of those people uh, What number of those people have deaths actually caused by you? None. Okay. So, but I mean, I think we all do that. Well, you have, you have a, especially if you have a family member that is maybe of a certain age, and you realize that maybe it's closer to the end uh, than it is the beginning, and you start thinking inside your head, well, you know what? Um, aunt Florence isn't going to live forever. So, aunt Flo, uh, your Aunt Flo is going to be around much longer, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Uh, but you, She'll but be you, gone soon. But you sort of say to yourself, you're like, all right, when the phone call inevitably comes at 2 a.m., as it always does, because yeah. those calls never come at like 4 in the afternoon, you're like, well, when the phone rings and, and they tell me that she's dead, what am, am I going to... Um, am I, I going to be uh, depressed or am I going to be stoic, manly? All right. Am I going to go to the wake... I don't know. Maybe I could say I have to work. How much sympathy is too much sympathy? I mean, I didn't really like her. I know there's a lot of other people in the family that did. She probably didn't leave me anything. And you sort of like you play it out in your head and you anticipate exactly what's... You anticipate the chain of events that will happen when the relative dies. Here's the thing with, with, uh, with Kennedy. And I really do mean that I, I hope he lives forever. Only because I don't want to be here the day that Kennedy dies and Tim Riley just completely falls apart into just a big pile of New England pieces. Mm. I mean, it, it, Tim and probably everybody we know from New England. I mean, he's just going to come to work in like sackcloth and ashes. His, I mean, he, his chowder ducks will engorge. I mean, he just, I mean, he's probably not even going to be able to function. So, I mean, I remember that it was when, like two, three, four months ago, whatever it is, was that Kennedy went to the hospital because he had like a tumor the size of a grapefruit in his occipital lobe or something. Yeah. And I mean, I just, and I don't even think Sarah and I made fun of Ted Kennedy being sick. I think I just said something. I think I had a kind of an. Don't ar- include me in this. No, but I'm saying we didn't. I think we were very respectful. I think I had no. a little bit of an arch tone in my voice, though. And I could. Tim did that thing where he looked over at me and just kind of cocked one of his eyebrows ever so slightly to let, I think, to let me know that I was uh, treading perhaps on the thinnest of New England ice. So, anyway, well, here's to you, Ted Kennedy. Here's uh, Adam Thompson. All right. How about we do a little geek watch? Here's your geek watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson radio program. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen's Dilemma, remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but cause we were wondering if the quantum flux... Just listen on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. Here's your Geek Watch for Monday, ladies and germs. Digital video recording TiVo Incorporated said Monday it is teaming up with Domino's Pizza Incorporated to allow subscribers to order pizza for delivery or pickup from their television yeah. sets. 
I'm down. Uh, this is the first time in history that the on-demand generation will be able to fully experience couch commerce by ordering pizza directly through their television set. Fantastic. Uh, TV watchers will see an ad for Domino's and be able to click I want it from their TV. <laughs> no, that, oh, dude. <laughs> that, while watching Out My Balls, that is, that is fantastic. <laughs> not, even, not even I'm... Not even I'm feeling bullish about that product. Oh, I there's there's a million American flags waving in I, my head right I, now. <laughs> not not a, not that sounds like something I might enjoy at this point in my evening. Just a gimme. That, that, that's that's all it is. Bring it here now. I want it. In true Domino's fashion, the pizza should be on your doorstep about 30 minutes after you clip, click the button. Uh, TiVo subscribers will be able to enter their delivery address and select crust type and sauces through their TV. That is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. It's pretty good. I got to tell you, uh, you know, and I, I think they are, in fact, one of our valued advertisers. I, I will say that Domino's is typically not my first call, only mm. because, and here's the re only because there's a place about a block from my house that is... Um, Inexpensive, and again, because it's a block from my house, they deliver in like 12 minutes. And I make sure to tip really well. And as I think I've speculated on this before, I do believe that they bump other people to make to put my delivery first because they know that I'm a big tipper. And because I'm a giant American fat ass, I order from them constantly. I mean, really, I am just. Uh, I mean, it's it's amazing that I am not in fact a perfect sphere at this point because. Especially with Laragon, there's just no governor. Uh, there's no regulator on me at all with this sort of thing. So I will just sit there and just and just shove it in my mouth like Mr. Creosote style. But so that that being said, though, this is almost enough to make me do it just because I want to support this kind of technology. This is the sort of scientific breakthrough that Rick Emerson wants to throw his whole always increasing weight behind. The button just says, I want it. Yes, that is so wonderful. All right. By the way, I'm making a prediction You're right now. You're still going to use that, too. Dude, it's the best thing ever. Here's why. Because you know I got one observation, and then I got a prediction. Hold on. Wait. Hold on. I am prediction. Okay. I got an observation and prediction. Uh, observation is this. Who has TiVo? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, no. Whatever. Sarah, you have the TiVo, but no, you don't really use it. You I have one. I'm thinking about selling it. Do you have cable? I'll buy it. No. Wait, hold on. Stop. What? You still don't have cable? No. I can afford cable. <laughs> it's like it's like it's I'm no, the only patriot in this room. It's not it's not worth it to me. I'm not going to spend you know like a hundred dollars a month for something. So I mean, I like not having cable because anything that I want to watch, I can watch on the internet. Like any show that I want to watch. And then plus, I'm not at my house all the time either. No. I'm always out doing stuff. Well, I suppose. Oh, wow, the social. You know, Queen of Portland can't sit at home and watch CNN no. or something. Well, she has to balance out my life. So, I mean, together, if you were to merge Sarah and I, we are one perfectly well-balanced person. We totally are. You might have all the mental problems. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so uh, anyway. All right. Well, here's the thing with the TiVo. When you go to program uh, the TiVo, when you say, like, I want to tape. Uh, I do miss my TiVo, though, I have to say. Well, because it's the greatest, I, really, no lie, it is the greatest consumer product I have ever purchased, ever Ever. I purchased ever. my TiVo from you. Yes, you did. And that you know what? And that TiVo you bought for me was already the third one I'd owned. Mm -hmm. So I mean I'm on my like I'm, an eighty hour TiVo. I'm on my fourth uh, I'm on my fourth one right now. You wanna talk, talk about a little exchange here? Oh, we could you talk Are you do you have cable? Uh, you know, I just moved like this week, so right. I'm getting set up. But I'm gonna, uh, yeah. And you've I had it in the past, of course. Oh, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a lazy guy. Yeah. So you have a cable but no TiVo. You have a TiVo but no cable. Really, this is. Let's see, you wanna move in together? Yeah, there's a map. Ooh. It's a match made in heaven. Um, so, it, but here's the thing. So, when you're programming something on the TiVo, which is just, again, just the most glorious, it is as uh, Michael Powell said 
God's own machine. I remember when you almost cried when you ruined your um, your channel changer, the remote control. The remote control. Dude, it, well, did I tell you it, it happened? It happened, happened again like two weeks ago. No. I don't know if you're talking about the time I did it two years ago. I'm talking about two years ago. About two, three weeks ago, uh, Lara and I were sitting there were watching television, and one of the dogs came over and knocked over um, I had a bottle of water, knocked over a bottle of water into the TiVo remote. Ooh. And the thing about the TiVo remote is it's a proprietary remote. And without the remote, your TiVo is just like it's a boat anchor. I mean, you've just you've got it, it, it can't do anything at all. And so, what, and it was a Sunday at like six fifteen. So immediately, I'm in my head going, Jesus God, what am I going to do? I won't be able to watch television. Sweet, sweet electronic nectar. What? Uh, and so I'm having like this weird, you know, getting this cold sweat about it. So I immediately got in the car and we went to. Uh, I, I, and this is how pathetic I am, because the TiVo remote had been shorted out by the water. It was a Sunday night, so we were like tag teaming it where Lara and I were in the car. She was, in fact, just driving in the general vicinity of 82nd, which is where there's all those big box stores, while I was on my Blackberry calling one store after another to see which of them might still be open. So it was all taken care of. But when you program something with your TiVo remote, uh, you know, it's like uh, pick the show you want to record, and it shows the, you know, the alphabet on the screen, and then you kind of use it, you move the cursor around, and you start spelling out the name of the show. I don't know why TiVo hasn't invented this. This is a thing that TiVo, and if you're if you have a TiVo out there, you're going to be with me on this. You know that what I'm speaking is the truth. I don't know why TiVo hasn't used some of that NES Duck Hunt technology to worry I mean, because it's I say engaging American complaint mode. It's so much work to have to with your thumb to be like pressing the little thumb pad to move the oh cursor my God, around. You are the laziest person I know. You know what? If you didn't, we're not going to do it right now because we got lots of stuff to get what through. Secret shame Instapol. If I was to do, I'll just be faceless. If, like, do you just sit at home? <laughs> if I was to do an Instapol right now, and we'll call it the "I want someone to chew my food for me" Instapol. <laughs> Everybody who has a TiVo would agree with me that it would be so much better if, like that duck hunt gun, if the TiVo remote somehow was just interacted with the TV screen, so you just had to wave the remote around with your hand to highlight the number, uh, the letters, so you could, you know, like type in the name of the show like 30% faster. Do you ever get embarrassed when you talk? <laughs> no, you know, because I am, I am the, the average American. Generation. I am. I really am. A, I really am the spokesperson for our target demographic, Sarah. And that is guys sitting on the couch trying to tape endless episodes of Mythbusters, but trying to expend as few calories as possible to do so. So if you could just wave the TiVo remote around and some sort of... <laughs> like such a freak. Like a Wii? So, yeah, exactly. Maybe, exactly. Maybe TiVo and Wii can merge together and make a super remote. A Weevo? A Weevo. That's what I'm talking about. There you go. You, you know that's... Uh, oh, my God. Someone's going to take that. That's going to... Trademark that ass right now, because somebody's going to do it. There aren't microphones in front of our faces. A Weevo. A genius site is. Um, so Weevo sounds... No. <laughs> you know they're going to do it. They're probably making it right now. The Weevo. The Weevo sound like some sort of multicultural hair care product. With the amazing Weevo, you can be ready to leave your home in less time than you ever thought possible. You won't believe this Weevo. Best show ever. Um... <laughs> So that's my first thing, is if you could just wave the TiVo around, the TiVo remote around, the highlight, the so, so that's my first prediction. But as part of that, when they inevitably come out with this TiVo remote that has this sort of electronic eye function, so you can, uh, you know, so it will detect, you know, so you can point at stuff on the screen, basically, I am predicting this. They just unveiled this thing with Domino's, where, like, they'll throw a Domino's ad up on the screen, you can press the gimme button, and they'll bring you a pizza. Within five years, you will be able to take that uh, infrared remote control. You will be able to point at crap on the screen, press a button, and buy it. Yes. Jennifer Aniston shoes. Buy. Yes. You know what? Uh, some uh, BlackBerry guys holding. Buy. Yes. 
uh, you know, it doesn't matter what, a couch, buy, and then it will just show up at your home. And they'll do it in partnership with, like, Ikea or Amazon. Yeah. So probably not far away from that. I'm telling you right now, you give me that, you give me that, and then I get the uh, the I get the uh, the Art Bell ISDN hookup. I never need to leave my home again, mm-hmm. ever, ever on KCMD Portland. All right, let's take these calls and see what the people have to say. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello there. Hello. Hello. Oh well, it was about the balls. <laughs> Isn't it always? <laughs> Isn't it always? What oh, balls are we sorry. talking about? The rubber balls. Right? Rubber balls. Yeah, yeah. But there's a company that um, makes fake balls for dogs that have been um, demasculated. These are rubber balls. No, I think they're more like they're... uh... Yes, all right. So, in other words, these are rubber balls that replace the dog's bits that have been taken away. No, no, no. Here's the thing. That's not about anything you said. That's just about what we'll call the general tone and direction of that. That is actually well, no I think reflection on you. trying to genuinely be helpful because in dog shows, no, no, I understand. For example, you can't show dogs unless they have their testicles. Yes. And so, but you know, you want to get your dog. Wait, they have to have them. I'm pretty sure that they can't be fixed. Oh, wait, hold on. So no, no, no that was that. No, I, that was not in direct correlation to anything you said. Right, that was just the general direction of that to, of that of that phone call. All right. Well, that was, I remember that watching. Was Casey. How stupid am I? I remember watching a TV show once and like this guy lost a testicle and he was talking about how in dog shows how dogs can't even answer if they only have one ball. Okay. We're going to move on. Okay. All right. (laughs) Okay. It's just one of those conversations I never dreamt that we would be having. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. I have some gibberish and garbage for you. Yes. Um, I just want to let you know uh, the game Left 4 Dead is coming out tomorrow, another zombie apocalypse game. Now, wait a minute. Is this a first-person shooter? Yes. All right. For the 360? Uh, Yes. 360 and PC. See, because here's the thing. So I got all these people calling up about the you know, and emailing me about my 360 because my wife is gone. And this, by the way, is very and this is emblematic of our entire relationship. That she is. Uh, where is she today? Today is what Monday. Mm-hmm. So today she's on her way to Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu. Uh, meanwhile, I and I wasn't kidding earlier. I did order a massive, like a big ass pizza last night, and it's still half there. Mm. So tonight it's just going to be in it. Uh, it'll be me and the uh, and the TiVo and the Xbox and the pizza. But everybody was saying I got to be playing that Fallout game. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, if you're more into like the zombie apocalypse, I think. Left and who isn't? Uh, so now, what is Left for Dead? Please to explain. Um, I don't know too much about it. It's about these. It's actually four people where the four comes from and left for dead. And right. They're basically trying to survive and move from place to place, and fighting off hordes of zombies. And, so is it uh, now? Is it a multiplayer game? In other words, is it just you, or is it you online with like a band of brothers as you're fighting off Zach? You can do single player where the other four char- where the other three characters characters follow you around. Like an AI. And you can do an online campaign where. You have, where other people play the other three characters. Left for Dead. All right. What is the advance uh, word on it? Is, it? is it supposed to be? You know, because sometimes you get the, you know, it'll be like the ad campaign that suckers you into buying some game, and then you get it home and you realize you've got E.T. the video game, and you know and that you've been uh, you've been horked, as they say. Uh, they released the demo uh, a couple of days ago, I think, and it's pretty fun. I I've, I've enjoyed it. All right. I might uh, I might see if I can give that a give that a rent before I give it a buy. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Uh, All right. There you go. Thank you. All right. And before that, that was Casey was talking about silicone replacement bits for dogs. And just real quickly, just to just to clarify this one point. So you're saying that dogs have to be uh, genitally intact to enter a dog show? 
Is that something that's, you've heard, or do you know that? No, I don't know it for a fact. I'm actually researching. It I would right think now. it would be the opposite because I would think they would be. You know, you get they'd be too hard to control if you had a thousand dogs in a room, all of whom were still yeah, with their junk. Special for dog contests. Maybe. Or maybe maybe they figure maybe they figure this maybe they figure it is a truer mark of your ability as a, to train a dog if he still has all of his get up and go mm-hmm. uh, because you know once he uh, once he's neutered you know they're uh, they're a little mellower about things because you know lots of they don't uh, like they don't neuter police dogs uh, because they want you to have a lot of uh, you know they want you to have all the, the testosterone or whatever it is so all right well interesting all right here's uh, Adam Thompson at the Ministry of Truth well we just did a geek watch and uh, you know, are we done with that are we finished with it. That was the pizza thing. All right, there's your geek watch for uh, Monday. Grab Thor's hammer by the Sons of Warband. I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. All right, so noodle. Uh, let's see, so neutered animals. Uh, they can they can compete in agility. However, they don't. Let's see. They should be more agile with a little less weight. <laughs> yeah. Okay, show space. Like a streamlining kind of a thing. Yeah. All right. Here's uh, Adam Thompson. Okay, well, I'm going to, you know, it's my first time sitting in on your show, so it's kind of a changing of the guard. How do you feel it's going for you on the classic 1 to 10 scale? Quite swimmingly, I'd say. You love the classic 1 to 10 scale. I do. I never use it. It's, you know, it's direct to the point and it's effective. All right, so you feel what? Um, this is changing of the guard. Yeah. Timmy Ryan's kind of gone. I'm sitting in here. Um, and I have some big shoes to fill. Is it a little, little nerve wracking? You have size seven women's. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, the um, I'm going to establish a new watch here, just for me at least. This is a bladder watch. No sounder, but it's a bladder watch because a 35-year-old man faces charges after allegedly driving drunk and then urinating in the back of a squad car and on the arresting officer. A criminal complaint said the man was pulled over early Wednesday after an officer saw him drying erratically and striking a pole at a gas station. Uh, the complaint said the man failed field sobriety. Jesus. The man is facing four felony charges and two misdemeanors. He faces uh, a maximum of 15 years in the joint if convicted. All right. By the way, let's, uh, I'm going to apologize. I just coughed directly into the microphone there. That so was, I'm still uh, being all creepy looking up if your dogs have to be neutered for dog shows. All right. Let's, uh, where are we going here call-wise? Let's see. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, hey, Rick Emerson Show. What do you got? Uh, Left for Dead is done by Valve, which is the people responsible right. for um, for Bioshock, yeah. which is completely awesome. Bioshock is the one where you kill the little the little uh, the little the child the child characters, or you can well, you you can right. or but uh, Dead Rising is the game that actually got me to buy the 360. All right, and Dead Rising is very much a you're in the mall. You got to go out and kill all the zombies, and so it's kind of like a Dawn of the Dead sort of a thing. Yeah, right. really great, really great game. All right, excellent. Do uh, we know one more? Yeah. One more quick thing. Yes. That uh, if you could play that uh, that Nickelback song right up to the part where yes. where it says "Come on," and then mix in. Uh, the come on from Arrested Development. I think that would be awesome. We actually did that on Friday. Sarah uh, has beaten you to the punch here. She does with almost everything. We uh, On Friday, we were doing that. That's oh. because Sarah is brilliant. Yeah, well, we might do it again later on. All right. All right thank thank you. you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. It's Diana from downtown. Hey there. What's up? Okay. The proper name of those things is Nuticles, okay. and they're a silicon oh. replacement. And we have a friend who had a... All right. Thank you. All right. There you go. We're never, ever discussing this again. All right. Let's move forward, Adam Thompson. No one has any comments on the urine, the bladder? Punch? No. By the way, uh, this somebody says, hey, the trailer for Left 4 Dead is awesome. Looks better than most post-Romero zombie films. Uh, Vince P.S. Fallout 3 is amazing. All right. Okay. With only seconds to spare... 
An Oregon State University fraternity president rescued 12 students and their dog right before the living room blew up in a gas explosion Saturday around 2 p.m. No one was hurt in the blast that ripped through the Phi Kappa Psi fraternity, but students and firefighters credit Phi Kappa Psi President Christopher Garretts for a timely rescue. Eight frat brothers were watching the OSU football game in a room directly <laughs> above the boiler, which I'm guessing is some medieval torture device for the frosh, uh, when Garretts popped into the house for a couple minutes. While his fraternity brothers watched the game, he heard a sound and smelled natural gas. He went down to the boiler room to investigate. The steam was just billowing out of the door, he said. Garrett said he knew he might have had just seconds to act. He immediately cleared out the eight students watching TV and another four who were in their rooms. He also made sure the house dog, a Labrador Fox Terrier mix named Jaeger, was rescued. He then uh, led his fraternity brothers and the dog across the street. By the way, you know that for the rest of I don't know what if he's a, like a senior or whatever the hell, but you know he's going to be using that story to try to get laid for the rest of his college. I'm that guy that saved those eight dudes over the frat house. Yeah, I remember when the Kappa house blew up and nobody died? <laughs> that was me. It's all me, dude. I was completely responsible for that. All right, here's uh, Adam Thompson. Next story? Yes, indeed, sir. How about we do a, uh, what does this say, gel vintage? No, relig religious nuttage watch? It doesn't nutcase. say gel vintage. Let me see that. Your penmanship is pristine, my friend. Uh, it says religious nutcase. That's an abbreviation. You'll <laughs> forgive me that Tim and I have developed like this. It's like uh, when you know twins teach each other a secret language. I get this sort of peculiar scroll that Tim is now able to, uh, to discern at this point. So. It's like hieroglyphics of the retarded on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> hieroglyphics of the retarded. <laughs> so my first box set's going to be called... <laughs> Adam Thompson with your religious nutcase watch from Monday. A South Carolina Roman Catholic priest has told his parishioners that they should refrain from receiving Holy Communion if they voted for Barack Obama because the Democratic president-elect supports abortion and supporting him constitutes material cooperation with intrinsic evil. The Reverend, the Reverend J. Scott Newman said in a letter distributed Sunday to parishioners at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Greenville that they are putting their souls at risk if they take Holy Communion before doing penance for their vote. Our nation has chosen for its chief executive the most radical pro-abortion politician ever to serve in the United States Senate or to run for president, Newman wrote, referring to Obama by his full name, including his middle name of Hussein. Voting for a pro-abortion politician when a plausible pro-life alternative exists constitutes material cooperation with intrinsic evil, and those Catholics who do so place themselves outside of the full communion of Christ's church and under the judgment of divine law. He's, he's really a, that's really a guy who is in love with his own verbosity. Talk about blowing hard, my Seriously. God. I, uh, let me, I got three things to say. First of all, it is interesting. I mean, you know, we talked about ancient history at this point. We talked about that's why they picked Palin. Mm -hmm. As opposed to Joe Lieberman, because you know McCain is obviously pro-choice as well. As was as was almost everybody else running up to yep. and including Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, who a lot of people are pulling for. Um, secondly, what is my second point? Uh, my second point is wait is wait is no, I got nothing. Uh, my third point though is about Holy Communion. And the idea that, I mean, really, because, you know, if you were to exclude from the, uh, and, you know, Holy Communion is when you go up and you get the, the wafer. The whole I don't wafer. know. Uh, thanks. For, uh, it's the cracker thing? Yes. 
In more ways than one, Adam Thompson. I'm out of the loop. More ways than one. <laughs> I got you, buddy. Uh, so yeah, that's where you stand in line. You go up and they give you the uh, they give you the little uh, little wafer. And it's which like is... Jesus's body is. It's all very. Creepy. I hate to sound stupid. No, no, it's uh, again. You are not. Uh, you are not raised Catholic, so how are you to oh, know? I hate, I hate to sound really smart. Huh? No, it's just a no, no. It's a it's a wholly weird ritual. I mean, and again, I, you know, I said we're. But eating Jesus. Yes. Yes. Use Teddy Grams. Um, you know, it, it, we, you know, with Tim Riley, you know, we're all sort of fallen Catholics on the show. So, um, is Richie a fallen Catholic? I don't know. I don't. I'm not entirely, entirely sure. Here I think he may have been raised in a sort of confluence of faiths. But you know, but we all, you know, we all uh, to some degree went to Catholic school, and you know, whatever. Um, but it is a really bizarre thing, especially when you're a kid and they're trying to like explain the whole thing to you, and it's just. And it's one of those moments with the Catholic Church. I mean, really, the Catholic Church is second to none in terms of weird sort of, like, paganistic rituals. For, speaking of fraternity rituals. Totally. No, and it's not just rituals. They do all feel really weird and medieval and pagan. I took my wife to Midnight Mass one time, and it was like, the, you know, and it's like I've always known the Catholic Church a little little strange in some of the pageantry, but you don't really appreciate it until you're there with somebody who's never really seen it before. Yeah. And it's like they're doing the weird, like the full-on Latin, uh, Latin chanting, and then the guy's coming through, like, waving the thing of incense and, you know, some, like the creepy iconography around there. And then and then you know, the priest starts doing the rap about, like, he said to his apostles, eat me, you know, and <laughs> with not, you know, that's sort of a revision of the text. Yes. That's a sort of Cliff's Notes version of it. Um, but if you were to exclude from communion every Catholic who didn't follow all the teaching of the church, I mean, there'd be even fewer Catholics attending church than there are now. I remember the longest time they wouldn't let my mom do it because she got divorced. So, thirdly, you know, here's the thing I think about sometimes, and I've never really heard this adequately explained, and somebody probably knows this. I think about the Mormon faith and how the Mormons really are sort of savvy uh, in, in that you know, the Mormon church, and I think this actually does go all the way back to Joseph Smith. God love him. I think that, you know, the Mormon church has this has this great little self-supporting business structure where you got to wear the garments, you know, the, uh, the underwear underneath your clothing. Mm-hmm. And then amazingly enough, the church makes them. So, you know, it's like, hey, you have to wear these, but don't worry because we've got a store right over here mm-hmm. where you can buy them. And you know, so it all works out. Buying school uniforms. Totally, it's exa- but no, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what it is, except unlike school uniforms, you don't get to do that thing at the beginning of the year where you go to the gymnasium and if you're a poor family, you get to pick up leavings from the previous year's kids. So, but you get to go to the uh, I forget what it's called. It's the um, Deseret Industries or, or something. Well, that's the thrift store, whatever. But you get to go to the Mormon store and you get to buy the, the garments. And you know, and it is an it is a nifty little trick that you have to wear it, and then also they manufacture it and sell it to you. But I think about that with the communion wafers too, and I wonder where it is. Like, who makes those? Do they all have to come from? I have always wondered who makes the communion wafers. But I mean, is it is it like one company in? Rome, or is I mean, I don't and how do they ship them? That that's the thing. Or what kind of machine presses them to those pretty little circles? And what sort of a factory makes them? And are there in fact communion wafer factories all over the world? Because right, like, they fly in w- the water, even. I mean, the water has to be blessed and cleansed the, and stuff. Now the water has to be blessed. I was always told by the Pope, but I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it's just like a bishop or something. I was always told that holy water had in fact been blessed by uh, the Holy See, by by His Holiness at the Vatican. And that's what made it holy water, which means by definition that they must be flying it in a plane, right? Or, or bringing it over in like a like a tanker or something. I mean, they must. I just, I can't even imagine how they would get it here otherwise. And so then that leads to the, the, the communion wafer question. And I always wondered if if it was private Catholic-owned 
bakeries or food God companies that and do you bid for contracts but on that sort of a thing? There are churches everywhere, all over, even like little minuscule towns, you know, that have like a population of four people. There's there has to be like a Catholic church. Like, how do they get their special communion? And so, I mean, I'm you know, not trying to sound flip about it, but I mean, is there like a Catholic church supply catalog or something? Like, there is, you know, like it, like for any, are there trade catalogs like there would be for a hospital or a hotel? Yeah. Where you're flipping through and you got to buy, I need uh, one chalice, three cassocks, a whole rack of surpluses. Three advent candles, a wreath, fifteen thousand wafers, and a goblet. Uh, oh, and then uh, and then one of those creepy things that shows uh, Jesus' side being pierced by a spear. Can you give me one of those? Great, thanks so much. Can I put this on my uh, Mastercard? That's fantastic. We should. There might be money to made in this industry. We should uh, get in there, make some flavored Christ wafers. Sort of like a like a, like a Cajun, like a Cajun <laughs> wafer, spicy, blackened body of Christ, the bacon of Christ. Hi, you're on the, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, so about the Catholic, you know, all you have to do is go to confession, and then you're good to take communion again. Uh, oh, you, in terms of the, uh, in terms Obama, of the voting for Obama, for Obama thing. Vote for Obama, go to, and then, uh, I think, uh, you can also just go for any unleavened bread. You know, pita bread or anything. Yeah, but I mean, but they all have a standard... I mean, I know that technically speaking, you can use any unleavened bread. Although, again, I do, I think it needs to be blessed by a priest, maybe right. not the pope. What about but by... matzah. What if you use well, matzah? If well, it was unleavened, though, which I believe is yeastless. Is there but yeast not... in matzah? Again, I'm out of the loop. I don't know if matzah not is. Good for much. All right, not even yeah. not even good at your own faith. No, I, um, I lost my faith. So, so you can use any unleavened bread, but I mean, if you've gone to more than one Catholic church, you know that there's like a stock kind of wafer. Like they are, there's an industry standard for communion wafers. Does it taste good? So, they no, kind of taste like nothing. I mean, it, it really is. Right. <laughs> have you ever eaten one of those? Um, have you eaten one of those modern packing peanuts that oh, dissolves yeah, in yeah. your mouth? Yeah. It, imagine that, but uh, but you know it's uh, you know it's a. Wait, eating a modern packing peanut? You know is what I'm that about. The foam? No. All right. This is. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. So listen. So during the earliest years of the Christian Church, there's a ritual surrounding the process of creating communion wafers, which they still use, beginning with the cleansing of the wheat once the wheat's been properly washed. Only a baker that's sanctioned by a local church council could produce communion wafers. So, but it's ceremonially uh, shielded iron-plated oven. But it's not. But it doesn't have to be in Italy. In other words, you can do it anywhere as long as it it sort of meets the industries. So it is not unlike. uh, It is not unlike factories that create that make kosher food. They come from Anaheim. You know it. <laughs> it's like right there. It's just the same company. This is like the same press. It's stamping out loaves of Wonder Bread. Yeah, straight they just, to OC, man. They just, uh, they just, uh, they just set the uh, set the weight a little higher on the press strike. All right. What are we doing here? We're doing ding dongs or wafers. All right, wafers. I need three K. Get it going. All right. Uh, this is uh, in a moment. We'll talk to Cena Radio Course on at Steve Kastenbaum. Let's get a couple more of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello there. Hi. Uh, on how it was made or how it's made. Uh, the, tele- the television show? Yes. They showed there's one factory, and it's like in uh, Connecticut, that makes communion wafers. So it's like one, but that's not for the whole country, is it? Yeah, they ship them worldwide. That's what they do is communion wafers. In Connecticut? It's somewhere in New England. I think it's like Connecticut or something. All right. Well, I mean, I, I know that Jesus is everywhere and all. That's just kind of weird, though. Shouter of Christ. All right. There you go. Yeah. One plate. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, uh, we'll do one more here, then we'll talk to Steve Kasterman. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick, how's it going? What do you got? Hey, uh, communion wafers used to be made at the Abbey in, you know, out south of Portland. Uh, Mount Angel. Yeah, 30 years ago when I was an altar boy, that's where the uh, box used to come from. Wait, so now you were an altar boy at, 
Are you talking up at the at the Abbey or at the church? No, I was in in, uh, in Northeast Portland. I went to. Uh... I was a oh point. oh we're talking about two different places here um all right so but they, so they used to be made there uh for everywhere or just for the in other words did they make them just to use in house well no the 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 parish that I had to go to when I was a when I was a kid and right. had before yet um the box of communion wafers used to come from the abbey in uh, Silverton or oh yeah okay in Mount Angel all right so yeah. that actually makes a lot of sense because uh, I don't think I think there is a now there is, uh, I know the one in Connecticut, and there's one on the West Coast somewhere, too. Dude, let me just tell you this. Communion wine, you know the communion yes. wine? Was Dino Rossi. Big, huge jugs of it back there in directory. You know, and I can make these observations because I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic school for nine years. So these are, uh, this is all stuff I'm allowed to say. But I got to tell you, man, you, getting the contract to make communion wafers is like inheriting a rent-controlled apartment. Seriously? I mean, that is, it is money in the bank. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, you know, I'd pretend to be Catholic again if I could get that uh, contract. All right, thank yeah. you, sir. Hey, one, 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 one small thing. Yeah. Holy water is just water. The priest, you know, waves his hands, says something in Latin. And uh, the fake dog uh, things are called nudicles. All right. Thank you, sir. Bye. That's the strangest combination of things we've ever had discussed in a call. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent extraordinaire, the one and only Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey. Uh, so, uh, matzah, just flour and water. No yeast. Just flour and just water. And that is the, those are the sole ingredients. Mr. Kastenbaum sounds like one of my people. Yeah. 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 And, and, and you're not allowed to let her uh, cook for a cer- uh, more than a certain amount of time for it to be true Passover matzah. Mm-hmm. It, and uh, it cannot rise. The dough cannot have any time to rise at all. See, now you could uh, take a few lessons here from Steve Kastenbaum, Adam, become a little more observant. That's all I'm saying. I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like words, Rick. I don't like them. All right. I, uh, it, well, here's a, then one final question. So this is uh, my ignorance showing here. So in terms of matzah, so there's a uh, there is a um, so there is a sort of ritual or a system or parameters by which it must be made. But it can theoretically be made by anybody, and it's sort of workable as long as you follow and stay within those parameters, right? Absolutely, and also it's really good if you want to bind yourself up if you want to eat a lot of it. <laughs> what do you got that's really going to clog me uh, today? <laughs> Can I tell you this? Uh, so here's here's my one and only matzah story. Um, matzah watch. The uh, when I uh, ooh, except to say this. Uh, hey, you should get on this, dude. Uh, you should open a restaurant in New York called Lata Matza. Ooh, Lata Matza. Damn. You know, t- they actually have like uh, during Passover, certain restaurants in the city, kosher restaurants, will shut down for like a week before. And, you know, clean themselves from top to bottom and make themselves kosher for Passover restaurants. So they uh, serve only kosher for Passover meals, you know, for the lazy Jews like myself, if we want to eat out. And uh, that, I, I, I'm going to suggest that to one of them, that they should call themselves that for Passover. Wait, so these are restaurants that are not kosher the rest of the year, but they don't want to miss out. They don't want to miss out on the business. And so they just, for like one week only, kosher. No, they actually are kosher. Uh, during the rest of the year, but then they become kosher for Passover. Now, a certain ritual has to take place if you're Orthodox and Jewish. Oh, and, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. So you have to make sure, like, the entire place has literally, like, been cleansed from top to bottom, and there's ah. no 
trace of any sort of leavened product or non-kosher for Passover product anywhere in the place. All right, see, that makes more sense. I thought When you first described it, I thought, uh, it, and how much more sacrilegious could this entire conversation be? But yes. when you first described it, I thought it was like one of those stores in the mall that becomes a Halloween store, but only for like four weeks out of the year or something. Hot matzah. And then it goes, yeah, and then it goes back to being like a candle shop. So, um, so A... Yeah, there ought to be a place called Lots of Matzah. Uh, so much so that I want to trademark that, like, today. Uh, B, my only uh, extant matzah story is this. Uh, the last time my wife and I were in New York, we went to, and we've actually gone to this place a few different times. It, it is one of my, you know, and obviously you could live in New York your whole life and only see a fraction of what's there. But it's one of my favorite places so far. It's a place called Eisenberg's Deli. And which we actually saw in a movie at one point, too. We were watching TV. We're like, there's Eisenberg's Deli. Um we went there and I forget what I forget what what we got. I, I got some I got like a breakfast sandwich or something. And my wife, uh, you know, and it's like this, you know. So we're there at Eisenberg's Deli. I was raised Catholic. My wife was raised uh, Mormon, and uh, I think she had been up drinking all night. And so it's just this whole weird combination of like lifestyles and cultures and faiths. And my wife is looking at the menu, and she's. This is one of the reasons why I love her because she is. She just looks and she goes, "I want matzah." And I said, "I said Do you." And I didn't really even really know what it was, I think. And I said, do you, do you even know what it is? She goes, no, 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 but I was here at reference. I got to have some. And she was like, you know, waiter, bring me your finest matzah. And she made a statement a lot like yours that she did feel, um, she felt kind of like a, a taxidermist had gone to work on her for a little bit. Uh, she felt, uh, I think, the slightest bit, uh, slightest bit jam-packed after that. Yeah, imagine uh, eating that for 10 days straight. No. I mean, I'm sorry, eight days straight. No, I mean, just I... imagine that, you know, substituting... Anytime you would eat any sort of bread product, whether it's, uh, you know, actual bread or, like, cereal or anything like that, right. replace it with matzah or a form of matzah, <laughs> you know, like crumbled up matzah. It's like eating a big tube of Elmer's glue. You might as well. <laughs> it's the Jewish finger in the dike. <laughs> yes. Oh, all right. Let's see. Um, I, don't even, I don't even know where to, where to go here. Um, so, as... As most Americans uh, did, for the past month, two months, three months, every night I developed this ritual, speaking of rituals, of sitting down and watching CNN. And I would do this sort of one, two, three punch of watching Campbell Brown, followed by Anderson Cooper, it, followed by Ali Velshi talking about uh, talking about finances. And now that the uh, the election is over, you know, I think a lot of people have sort of resumed whatever their previously existing television schedule was. Not me, though. I'm on the sofa every night because Ali Velshi has this great... He has this great ability to, I don't know, he has this fantastic ability to simultaneously fill you with fear and then instantly assuage it with sort of his absolute authority and command of knowledge uh, regarding the economy. And he also has a fantastic ability to explain this in terms that make it understandable. Dude, i got to tell you, I saw, and I'm not afraid to say this, I saw Ali Velshi on Oprah, and he gave this sort of 30-second explanation as to how this entire economic implosion happened. And it was so good when we had him on the show a couple weeks ago. I had him repeat it almost verbatim because it was the best explanation I'd ever heard of any of this. So, in any event. And he loves doing radio. Yeah, no, he yeah, he was really, really good and picks out his own clothing. I asked him, I pressed him on that point. Custom-made uh, three-piece suit. i got to tell you, it, I would almost be afraid to see Ali Velshi and Roland Martin on the screen together because, like, some sort of weird rift in the space-time fashion continuum would open up. It's like I... I don't know, man. It's like it's just like this intersection of all haberdashers in the world is sort of brought together at one point. Um, anyway, so 
Did, did I read this correctly this morning, though, that year to date that the stocks are down? Was it 30% or was it higher? Was it 35 35%. And now Citibank, did you hear what happened today? Citigroup, rather. Did you hear what they uh, announced today? Uh, let's see. Does it have? Does it contain the words um, streamlining, firing, earnings, reversals, plunge? Bailout. Bailout? It's pretty close. They're going to be laying off. They're going to be letting go, trimming down their workforce by 53,000 people. 52,000, really. Jesus. They're going to go from 352,000 employees worldwide to 300,000. But I mean, at a certain point, and again, I'm really not trying to make light of that or be flip or to diminish it. I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, it's just, just like, it's just like one more, one more straw on the camel's back, right? I mean, because every, I mean, you cannot, and it sounds like such a cliche, but you can't pick up the paper now without reading about somebody either going bust, uh, having to restructure everything, or blowing like 30,000 people out the door. I mean, it's just, you know, Ali, speaking of Ali Belshig, and I asked him, you know, you hear that phrase a lot, uh, you know, the worst crisis since the Great Depression. And I asked him if that was true. I said, is it true that it's the worst since the Great Depression? And he had a really great response. He said, you know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. He's like, none of us were, were alive then, so it doesn't really matter. All that matters is now, and now sucks. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, so... Classic so, Ali. Totally. And so a, so a dumb question is, at what point might any of this at least slow down? I mean, at what point won't we be able to at least stanch the bleeding a little bit? Again, all of the analysts have been saying probably in the spring we'll see uh, this all sort of, you know, level off and, and, and finally start to calm down. All these wild sways back and forth. The, the whole financial system needs to reset itself, you know, needs to find uh, a norm again. And it can't do that until they figured out really how much negative assets they have on the balance sheets right now, how much bad debt they're holding on to. And nobody really knows for sure, you know, the overall figures right now, because the subprime mortgages with the variable interest rates, they keep resetting. You know, each year you have a new batch of them that reset. So, you know, it's, you really need a crystal ball to look in the, into the future to figure out, you know, how much uh, of a loss are these banks taking? You know, so many of these banks really don't know what the, the full extent of the loss will be for them. It really is interesting because you figure at some point, and this is, this is like, I've seen that movie Dave too many times where he brings in Charles Grodin, who just sits there with like a pen and paper going through the federal budget, uh, you know, and just going, oh, who does these books? And it's just, it, that's how it sort of is in my head. And so you wonder why it is that one of these companies can't just bring up like an Excel spreadsheet and say like, well, we appear to be uh, five quintillion dollars in the hole and 13 cents, you know, and then just figure out. But but it, but it sounds like they don't even know. And that's the scariest thing, right? Just they have no idea exactly how screwed they are. They really don't know. And one of the reasons is they, they have no way of knowing who's going to default on a mortgage and who isn't. Right. You know, it's, it takes too much effort uh, and time to go out there and, and, and look at every single mortgage that they've written and say, this guy's going to default. You know, we got to rewrite right. the mortgage. You know, so they they put you know the 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 onus on the homeowner to come to them and say, hey, I'm going to have a problem if you don't help me out here. And uh, all too often that happens too late in the process. Uh, I got one observation, and then I got one question, sort of tangentially related to that. Um, my observation is this: I was out, I was at the I was at the mall this weekend, like a good American, spending money to keep our engine of capitalism running at full speed. God bless you. That's what I do, and uh, you know, so. I had this conversation with uh, the woman who was ringing me up at the clothing store, and it was a it, it was a conversation that was simultaneously 
unbelievably naive and sort of charming and idealistic and then also a little depressing and kind of freaky. I mean, there's all those things at once. So um, I forget even how it's somebody She's ringing me up and, and uh, you know, and, and somehow the, com- the, the subject of the economy came up. I think it might have been... They might have been talking. I think that I think they might have already been having a conversation about um, about Obama and Bush sort of meeting in the Oval Office and talking about the economy or whatever. And anyway, so but the con- the subject of the economy came up and and the woman you know the woman and her coworker were sort of probably volunteering more than they should have. They said you know well there's been some layoffs here but uh, you know I think I think we'll be okay. You know they haven't uh, they haven't you know they haven't downsized our department at all. And I said, oh, you know that's good, and hope everything kind of keeps together for the holidays for you guys. And and the woman who was ringing me up actually said, she said, well you know I just uh, yeah we were thinking that after the election and Obama got elected, you know the, the economy would really turn around, but I guess uh, guess it's going to take some time. And I thought to myself. It was, I mean, it, it was like a really saddening conversation because you realize that they just had no, they just pinned all of their hopes on Obama being elected and then everything magically becoming better. And, you know, it becomes better and not. It's not going to happen instantly. And you also, I mean, it was sort of charming in this sort of horrible way that they figured that there probably, there probably was a way out. It was all just about casting your vote the right direction and that some guy was going to come in and like and sort of fix everything for you. So as part of that, here's a, here's a big dumb question. If we're giving these companies like seven hundred billion dollars, and they say, "Well, look, we're gonna—it's gonna take till like next spring, next summer, before the average American kind of feels that." I don't know why that is. In other words, if a company's having to fire ten thousand people because they got no money and they can't pay their bills, well, if the government has got this—you know—now more than a trillion bucks they're gonna hand out, why does it take the better part of a year for the company to be able to pay off what they're owed and start paying people's paychecks? I mean, look, what? if I owe $1,000 and the government comes and gives me 1500 bucks, I can get that taken care of by the end of the day. You know what it is? I think it's more about how people feel, what they perceive, than, than the actual reality. You know, a lot of us haven't lost our jobs, and our salaries haven't decreased, yet because we <laughs> feel like uh, there are bad economic times and they're going to stay with us for a while, we still spend less money. We hold on to more of our money because we feel we may need it if we lose our jobs. So, you know, it's more about the perception than the reality. Well, all right. Well, fair enough. There you go. All right. There you go. Excellent. Hey, can I, before I go, yes. can I uh, uh, send a shout-out to somebody in your listening area? Absolutely. I have to say congratulations to my friend Jules Copel bailey who won Oregon yes. House seat 42. Indeed. Indeed. There you go. Uh, why don't you travel in high circles, Steve Castle? You're people who know. You people. do. We're not getting giving shout outs to our fancy people. Yeah, but, we don't yeah. have any fancy people. You know, we don't. Yeah, like I said, we don't have people. We don't have. Uh, I don't have friends in high places. I don't associate with players. Really, you are a greater man than I will ever be, Steve. I, I just have to say congratulations to him because he's the only person that I know personally as a friend uh, who uh, who has run for public office and won an election. All right. Well, see, there you go. So let's see now. Now is the time for you to be begin uh, calling in those chits, as they say. I think I should move to Portland just so I can take advantage of this. So you so you can become a power broker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, my friend. Are you on tomorrow? Yes, I am. All I right. am back. All right. We will uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. As always, have a great day, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Take a lot. Take care. All right. There you go. There's Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Take a break. Come back after this. More news from Adam Thompson, who is filling in for the uh, ailing Tim Riley today. Uh, later on, the greatest songs ever made. Another installment of that. We'll do the top five songs regarding sickness. Uh, more of your phone calls and so forth. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Yeah,
Continue only on AM 970, The Talker. Why can't you wear mascara with glasses? Because I do have really long eyelashes. And so if I, if I wear mascara when I have my uh, glasses on, then it just leaves black streaks on the glasses. That is hilarious. Like some sort of so if I know I'm wearing my glasses that day, I don't wear mascara. That's like when you get a, uh, that's like when there's a parking ticket, you don't notice under your windshield wiper, and then you turn on your wipers and the ink smears all over your windshield. Oh, no, I get like these black stripes that happens with my sunglasses, Joe. That's why I have to be very particular about what kind of... Looks like you've got vertical black etchings on your glasses. No, yeah, I'm not going to complain, though, because, yeah, my mom gave me very long eyelashes. Like I've been told I have very long eyelashes. I've never seen your eyelashes. I have a woman's eyelashes. Uh, in a box under my bed. Uh, all right. Moving on. What's in the box? <laughs> By the way, can I just tell you this? Uh, so, you know, uh, our friend Diana uh, from downtown and her uh, her now husband, uh, uh, Prime, they got married a couple weekends ago at, uh, at the Horse Brass, which was great to begin with because wedding in a bar. Also, there was uh, lightsabers. Also, bagpipes. Also, a whole bunch of quotations from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Here's, but it, it also uh, several people. At, at one point, uh, the best man, who was actually uh, a Prime's sister, she was giving her speech, and there was at least two different uh, points there uh, where somebody shouted out, "So say we all!" Like Battlestar Galactica style, which is righteous. Here was the other great moment from Prime and Diana's wedding. There was, I think, one relative or the family member, somebody close who, who I, I guess had to take off early or something, and so they, they kind of wanted their presence to sort of be opened while they were still there. So there's this great moment where somebody is actually bringing this large package up to Prime and Diana to open their wedding, and then in the back you just started started hearing these assembled shots of, what's in the box? What's in the box? Which is just, you know, you don't get to go to a lot of weddings where that takes place. So, in any event. All right, it's uh, 503-733- 2970, still to come today, we have um, uh, we have uh, today's top five. Top five songs regarding uh, sickness. That is uh, because of Tim Riley, who is ailing today. Trying to get to another installment of the greatest songs ever made. This is Adam Thompson at the Ministry and of Truth. Now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Adam Riley. Okay. All right, uh, I got a hankering... For a hunk of cheese? No, for a Darwin watch, though. Oh. Here's your Darwin watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I have a feeling some bad stuff is about to go down. Don't, don't, don't. I need all my cap. Don't, don't, don't. My parents won't let me use scissors. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. This story, coming straight from the Darwin hotbed of Columbus, Ohio. A man locked out of his apartment, tried to climb through a window, got stuck, and suffocated. Fantastic. Yes, sir. Jack Kassler, may he rest in shame, 45, was found Friday, his feet dangling out the window. Jesus. Franklin County Coroner Brad Lewis said Kassler was lying over a board in the window, preventing his diaphragm from contracting. Kassler. I barely knew her. 
Ah, hey, it's in the news box. Uh, Lewis said it's not clear why Kassler couldn't push himself through the first floor window. <laughs> or, or how long. I mean, stupidity has not been ruled out. I, I mean, but once your feet leave the ground, there's no pushing you can do. You can, can you imagine him just getting halfway in and going, what do I do? Where do I take this from here? Uh, oh, I don't know God. what to do. So uh, they couldn't... Uh, Tell why he couldn't push himself through the so window. So he was locked out of the apartment. He tries to go in the first floor window. Uh-huh. Now, what was preventing his diaphragm from expanding? I guess he was stuck between in the window frame or something. But I mean, it was, but it couldn't just be that the window Actually, frame yeah, itself it was too small. Clear why he couldn't? If it's big enough, I don't know. This in other words, was there is there some some additional component or part of the window frame that I'm not? Visualizing here? I don't know. The story didn't come with pics. I sure wish it did. We might have to investigate just on this. Big, just, just some shoes. Just some stubby legs sticking out of a window opening. Uh, it's like a right. uh, Gary Larson image. Sure. See, no, see, I was going to go the other way. I was going to go. It's like that. Uh, it's like that Phoebe Cates Gremlins uh, oh. dad in the chimney story. That's the way I was going to go here. Jeez. But you know, sort of more horizontal. So they also they didn't know how long he'd been hanging there before he died. <laughs> a passerby told police she thought Castle was a burglar. And didn't stop to help. <laughs> so rather than take any action at all, she just goes, there's a burglar, let him burgle in peace. Rather than actually calling the authorities, even to let them know that there was, in fact, thievery happening, she just decided, it ain't none of my concern. Seriously. Uh, moved on. A neighbor's son ended up calling police after realizing that Kassler wasn't moving. Hey, there's an ass sticking out of the window, and it appears to be stationary. Uh, I, uh, don't get locked out in Columbus. Seriously. Uh, co- Ticket to hell. Col- Columbus, where no one helps anybody with everything. Uh, with anything. All right, well, there you go. There's, uh, there's your Darwin watch from Monday. Jesus. Don't, don't, don't. Another one the I mean, here's my thing: is it also, it doesn't sound like that was a gradual process because no. if you're if you are slowly climbing through an open window, which eventually you get wedged there and you can't you know breathe and then you're all uh, oh crap and then you know and then and then you and then you're gone, you would notice that right? I mean, even if, presumably, you are larger around the middle, like, say, if you're a big guy, maybe, than you are at either end. Like, your head and your feet aren't the same size as your stomach, or they ought not to be. So, he would have noticed it was becoming progressively more snug, unless, unless, and this is the only way this makes sense, and maybe it's just because it's the most hilarious visual I can come up with. Unless he just took, like, some sort of a running leap at the window, and just, do, 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 and then just, right in there. And just, just went from sidewalk, uh, sidewalk to stuck in like one one jump. So I'm going to choose to believe that's how that happened. Here's uh, Adam Thompson. Would you rather, uh, would you rather be found dead like that guy or dead like Michael Hutchins? What would you prefer? Uh, hmm. I'd say that guy. You'd rather be that guy than Hutchins? Yeah. I think you'd be a Hutchins. I'd I'd like to combine the two. Get real I'd, freaky. <laughs> I'd take them both over being found. Uh, a pants down. B on the toilet. C face down in the shag uh, carpeting like Elvis. Again, let's combine them. I'm really just saying. Well, because here's the thing. Everybody remembers the fact that Elvis died on the toilet. Mm-hmm. But what nobody nobody remembers is that his doctor, the post mortem, said, and the post mortem, which is admittedly rather sketchy, because they did overlook the fact that he had like an entire uh, drive-through pharmacy, like just like in his liver, mm-hmm. but that he apparently uh, was on the toilet. Doing the business that God sent him there to do. Rocking? Uh, yeah, rocking. <laughs> he was indeed rocking. Um, at some point, had to uh, exert himself 
more than his heart was able to bear. Oh, God, who hasn't been there? <laughs> Sarah, you're with me? Come on. All right. Boy, you're speaking my language. Uh, <laughs> Richie was offering you that diarrhea uh, uh, aid earlier. Careful it was not to very strain. kind of him. Um, yeah, the tea worked, though. I feel a lot better. The PMS tea? The PMS tea. What would happen if a man... Tea. What if we drank some tea? We should do an experiment. We should, we should drink Dude, some. Dude, wait, hold on. Let me, I'll tell you yeah. a story about that in a second. Hold okay. on. Um, but anyway, so Elvis is on the toilet. He is... Um, Doing his thing. Engaging in an effort. He's making. It, as they say in Super Fudge. Um, as philosopher Judy Bloom called it. <laughs> um, has a heart attack. Falls forward. And then I swear to Christ, according to the doctors, falls forward. And then that's not what kills him, though. He then suffocates in the shag carpet. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants You don't want to go he that way. In the shag yeah, carpet. because he has a heart attack and fell forward. <laughs> But he, of course, when you have a heart attack, sometimes, you know, sort of, you know, you're, you're stricken, you're sort of not paralyzed, you don't really move. And so he was, he just fell directly forward and they found him. I am not making this up. This is, to the best of my knowledge, accurate. They found Elvis. I mean, let's just take the confluence of bad. In the toilet, no time to even flush. I mean, really, it's, you know, I mean, no, no time to, no time to properly clean up. Um, pants around your ankles. <laughs> On your knees, and then just face down in shag carpet of sufficient thickness to kill you. I mean, it's just, it is just like a combination of every single great, awful, terrible, wonderful thing. And by the way, when you tour Graceland, they don't let you see the toilet, uh, the bathroom at all. You can't get anywhere near the bathroom on the Graceland tour. The Quaaludes lie where they did that day. Yeah, the, I mean, it... It doesn't matter if you can see everything else in the house. You're not able to see the shag carpet. I mean, that's almost a ringing endorsement for that kind of shag. Mm-hmm. It actually felled Elvis Presley. Oh, so, man. Um, I don't even know what we're talking about here. Why, what, what were we talking about? Well, how would you rather go out, Hutchins or Window Guy? Oh, Window Guy. I just don't want to go out like Elvis. That's uh, that's my whole thing. Well, I, um, none of us do. All right, Adam Thompson. Frozen to death or burned alive? Go. Oh, frozen. Really? Okay, Sarah, frozen to death, burned frozen. alive. All right. What about um, you? Uh, I go frozen. How about this? Um, would you rather? Oh, I don't want to talk about different ways. Which I do. Let's do this. No, no, no. I can. Uh, I am by. I mean, uh, men in the twenty-five to fifty-four-year-old demographic can yeah. kill hours with this. Oh, it's mm-hmm. like you're speaking to the people. It's like I'm. Uh, it's like I'm inside their heads, knowing all their private secret thoughts. All right. Would you rather? Uh, would you rather sneeze marbles? Like, every time you sneezed, oh, it was a bunch of marbles. Ouch. Would you rather sneeze marbles or, uh, but that's any time you sneeze, you sneeze marbles. How many marbles? I would say it depends on the sneeze, but I'd say always at least one or two from each nostril. Would they be painful or would they be nostril size? Um, they would be just slightly bigger than the nostril, so a little bit of pain. Snug. Snug. That's the word I'm looking okay, for. So not kind of a, ah, oh, uh, like a painful sneeze, okay. but marbles, but again, it'd be in public. And, mm. and 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 it's like it would be in our world today, not like in an alternate world where it's acceptable. So, like, Sarah, you might be at dinner with perhaps a handsome man who you were seeing for the first time, and you'd sneeze, and you would actually sneeze marbles all over him. Either that, and it's any time you sneeze, or, or once a month, Mm-mm. but at a time you cannot control or predict, uh, mm, uh, uh, Soft, runny cheese just pours out of your ears for 30 seconds. Is the cheese edible? What is wrong with you? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So anytime you sneeze ever, you sneeze marbles. 
but that's any time. Or once a month, but you cannot control it, predict it, or stop it, runny cheese comes out of your ears for 30 seconds. And if you and if the cheese comes a little later than usual, a cracker comes out. <laughs> what would you rather? What would you rather live with? I would go with the cheese personally. I mean, it seems less painful. I'd go with the marbles. Why? That's an interesting. Uh, see, I would expect you to go with the cheese as well. No, no, because cheese would get in my hair, and then it would be like all over my clothes. All right. That's well, thirty seconds, and I don't sneeze too much. Plus, you can't and predict the cheese. You know what? I really think that I would be able to spin the marbles into some sort of like party trick. So you could get the bed. No, no, there you go. I don't Crowd really surround myself with people who would judge me based on something, you know. That if I had marbles coming out of my nose, they'd be like, oh, my God, I'm never talking to you again. Probably get yourself a gig on a radio show with that kind of talent. All right. Adam, do you have one? Cheese ear and marble nose coming at you coast to coast. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, we could do four hours of this every single day. This is good stuff. This is called gold. But we have lots of other things we need to get to. We do. Uh, My final observation is going to be this. You asked what would happen if you and I drank the PMS, uh, that, that herbal tea that is for PMS. There was a time, actually, and we didn't realize this until weeks after the fact, or maybe they did and they just didn't tell me. Went every day. I, I went through this pain where I was having a lot of headaches, and I thought I was taking Tylenol, but I was taking I was taking Midol every single day. Oh, what and, so it's you. It's you. You're the one who took away the precious. Well, no, because not anymore. Against... I mean, that was a long time ago. But I mean, and I take a lot. I'm like everybody else. I'm like all other Americans when it comes to aspirin or ibuprofen. Because I mean, yeah, I took I took five ibuprofen today. Well, did you ever read the the, the ingredient yeah. the, or the the directions on ibuprofen or acetaminophen or whatever? It's like take more than we tell like you. adults. You know, adults over the age of twelve take one every four hours, but no more than three in a day. Or else our spleen will liquefy. <laughs> exactly. Nobody does that though. Everybody just opens it up, and you know what it is? You do what everybody else does. You just dump it into your hand till it looks uh-huh. like a sufficient amount. Yes. Because don't you operate under the assumption that a those things are all just weak-ass pain remedies. Yep. I mean, they are just inefficient analgesics in every way. And and B, I also assume that because of, you know, we live in such a litigious society, that whatever the safe and healthy dose is, they cut it by like 70% yep. on the label. In other words, whatever the maximum safe dosage of a medication is, your doctor or healthcare company or whatever tells you it's like 30% of that because they don't want you to accidentally overdose. Well, the warning labels are probably written by lawyers. Totally, yeah. exactly. My dad always tells me it's just like it's like not too, like my, I've always, you know, Tylenol or everything my whole life, it's always given me like three or four pills. Right, right. Like that's, yeah, they're completely underdosing you. Exactly, because they don't want any any risk at all that you might, so I, yeah, I just dump it in my hand. So I was, but so every single day, for probably three weeks, I was taking like five Midol at a time. Oh, oh God, where They don't you? even look oh. like aspirin. They don't, they look like skinny and sweet. Uh, did anything like happen to you? I'm curious about like I you know I don't really know I uh, I, I think I was because as it turned out I mean really women, well, women, <laughs> women are the ones who are sort of getting the uh, getting the fuzzy end of the lollipop here. It turns out that there really is no difference. I think we found out that Midol basically were just Tylenol. That there really wasn't anything else in them. It was just you know it, it was just it was like a hydrox Oreo kind of a thing. I mean there was really some no. hormonal balance potion to kind of even you out. I don't believe so. I think it's same 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 stuff, different package. Did you start watching the View profusely. <laughs> It's like Timmy never left. I was just, I was just. That was way more weird than was, Timmy ever said. I was just going to say, it is like Timmy Ryan has been channeled right now. Wow. All right. Yeah, and we come back, we got observations on the sneezing cheese thing. Uh, let's see. Uh, what else? Greatest songs ever made and the top five plus more from Adam Thompson. Your phone call. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere.
totally me. I queued up the wrong song. No, I queued up the uh, I queued up the song we're gonna play we next. We should start putting all the music on my. <laughs> no, no, no. I just I I mean I have the song. I just queued up the wrong one. I want Nickelback. Right. I want Nickelback. Well, who doesn't? All right. Do you want to play? Do we play a return liner, Sarah? We'll pretend like that never happened. Sure, Rick. All right. Yeah. Well, the Wells this thing, Jim. Pick up the phone and call. What? Here's your number. 503-733-2970. This is the Rick Emerson Show, only on AM 970, The Talker. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. I love it so much. It really is quite something. Let's get through one more. Come on here. Come on. That's the only thing that makes it bearable. Uh, one more, please. Here we go. Come on. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the one and only Nickelback. Okay. I swear to you, the name of that single is Something in Your Mouth. <laughs> I cannot possibly thank Chris Paddock enough. Chris Paddock, uh, my He's like the patron saint of modern-day schlock rock. Well, here's the thing. is He's got... And he has got... I mean, let's be honest. Obviously, I think anybody would listen to that song and recognize the sort of blunt, awful genius. But Paddock has got the spidey sense, though. He mm-hmm. he kind of just, I think, I don't even think he has to take stuff out of the package anymore. I think sort of... He smells it. Like yeah, manila, manila envelopes arrive from record companies, and he looks down, and he just kind of goes... <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. You know, and then he, you know, he opens it up, and then there's like the new Chinese democracy or something. So, anyway... Just, uh, that's quite something. So that is, uh, something in your mouth. Come on! <laughs> I mean, it's just, just, just exceptional. Is Garbage. It is. God. Um, it's going to be on the top of the charts too sweet. Oh, no, no, oh, dude, 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 you know, this is a no. fact. This is a fact. I was talking, I totally forgot about it until you said charts. Do you know? Uh, according to, and I, I think this is probably, I can't remember, it's R&R Billboard, I can't remember, but it, in, in either R&R Billboard, one of the sort of trade publications, it is in fact the greatest gainer of the week 
Really? Oh my in God. terms of, you know, in terms of most increased airplay spins. USA, baby. Yeah. USA. So, I Even mean, they're from Canada. I mean, how, look, now we all know the chorus to it. I oh know, no! I know the title of a nickel. You know what? If I could, now. if I could write songs like that, think I'd be here doing this. Hell no! You'd Eddie. be like pitching forward on a toilet somewhere with shag carpet. <laughs> that's exactly. That's exactly. As uh, as somebody once said, I'd just be I'd just be effing a model on a big pile of cash. Like, <laughs> that's what I'd be. That, that is decadent. <laughs> um, oh so God. so that's Nickelback. Unbelievably, uh, unbelievably, we've got another song to play that is. Is it my Nickelback? No, it's not. It might as oh, well be. Really, only one. There's really only one Nickelback, Sarah. Gold that is Nickelback. And do you think, by the way, do you figure they were just called Nickelbag to begin with? I mean, and then the record company's like, I don't know, we can't. Yeah, I mean, don't you figure that was the deal? They must have been called Nickelbag. Think about it. No one ever talks about that. I mean, their name is Nickelback. What I mean, it doesn't make any. Mean? It doesn't make any sense. It's like Stone Temple Pilots or some crap. Makes it's as like much the, sense as their success. <laughs> but I think it's it's sort of the inverse of what Pantera did. Because, you know, early on, Dimebag Daryl was Diamond Daryl. And later on, when they were, like, trying to, they were, they were edifying themselves, um, it, they, he became Dimebag. So they were like a lounge outfit, and he was Diamond Daryl. Did you ever see, have you ever something? seen, and don't get me wrong, I love Pantera. I really do. Oh, but, yeah. did you, but they sort of did the, you know, they did, like, a lot of bands, like, Ministry before them. They did the sellout in reverse, where when they started, they're like, you know, what does it take to be famous? Whatever you want, baby, we'll do it. Pink spandex, keyboards, done. Big hair, gold. It's a song called Power of Rock. Done. Um, you know, so Pantera had these really just like bad, denuded, like toothless glam metal albums. It was just awful. Do you have them? Um, uh, I used to have one called uh, Magic Power, which is their first record, which has hilarious cover art, by the way. It's like, an, it's like a badly drawn... Do you, you know that car- cartoon character, Top Cat? Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, he was he was sort of like a Hanna Barbera cat that walked upright. He was sort of like an evil-looking top cat holding like a, like one of those like squiggly knives, like one of those ceremonial like Indian knives. It's all like you know, it's all like bendy. Uh, it's an it's got hilarious cover art and the songs are crap. <laughs> and they were sort of like you know, they just wanted to be famous. What's it called? What's the it's called Magic Power. And then it didn't work. Magic power. And they couldn't sell any records, and so they finally just decided, well, screw it. We're not getting famous. We're cowboys from hell now. They're like, yeah, they're like, the mu- they're like, this music sucks, and we can't make any money. We might as well just do whatever we want to do. And then, of course, the irony is that's that's when they became famous. Oh, that album so cover is amazing. It's fantastic. I, I used to own it on vinyl. Yeah, I wish I still that. did. Yeah, if you get a chance, check out the cover for Magic Power by Pantera. Oh, that is magical. I used to have it on vinyl, and I never listened to it, and so I got rid of it. And then later, of course, they reemerged as the Pantera we all know and love. But um, that's a really scary looking cat. But he was, but he was Diamond Daryl, and then he became Dimebag Daryl. And so I wondered if Nickelbag became Nickelback. I was reading a review of the song, and some the person in this compared Nickelbag, this Nickelback song, to let's see, it's the uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua of music. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take some calls, and then we'll roll this other uh, song yeah, that Chris Paddock. I want to hear this. You've been taunting me with this. All right. Then, we'll, uh, then we might actually balance it out by doing uh, another installment of The Greatest Songs Ever Made. Yeah. As sort of a cleansing sorbet. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Speak now so that all might hail your genius. My genius. <laughs> you're off to a good start. Off to a start. <laughs> I'd call your friends right now and tell them they don't want to miss the rest of this call. Okay. Well, when you were talking about... Marbles and cheese. Yes. But the thought that came to my mind was, I'm one of those people that has violent sneezing, that the kind you can measure on a Richter scale. So if you were actually to sneeze marbles, there might be a danger to those around you. Mm. Like oh, if you were in an so. intimate moment with a loved one, mm. uh, someone close to you, and you were engaging in a special act of love, and you were to sneeze violently, you might actually just blind whoever it is. This is Depending. true. 
All right. Or they'd have to go to the ER and have to be removed from some other area. I think but, I've cracked your code. Okay. All right. What else do you have today, sir? Well, I just thought that it might be a great crime-fighting weapon. To sneeze marbles? At high velocity. Sort of like a mystery man kind of thing? like running away from somebody you can turn around and sneeze and put marbles all over the floor? Yeah, Evil doer! Yeah. All right. Sinuses of glass. Thank you. Thanks for your time. All what right. What was that one that you, you said that you got a good one in the email? Oh, how about this one? This is from uh, Kara. Would you rather, Adam, would, hey, you ra- would you rather be unable to distinguish between babies and English muffins or, or have a power that when you sneeze, those around you change sex? <laughs> Let's say within a 25-foot radius. I, I mean, you know, you gotta pick one. No party would be boring with the sneezing power, so I, I guess I'd have to go with the sneezing sex change operation. Thing. Sarah. Oh man, I don't know. I really. Love and presumably, English. by the way, they they keep the change sex until you sneeze in their vicinity again. I really love English muffins, and I'd be afraid I'd eat a baby. So I think I'm gonna go with. Let's go with the sex change. Nooks and crannies. It's probably a phobia name for that. Excellent. Ah, uh, best audience ever. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello, Rick Emerson, Sarah, Adam. Hello. Yo. Say hi to Richie. Hey, Richie. Right. Forgot you. What do you got? Forget Richie. Hey, Adam. I'm. It's Kyle. Um, oh, hey, really, Kyle. really, really enjoying you got you on the show. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Oh, thank you, sir. It's a fresh, fresh, uh, fresh air. It's a new, uh, new era. Enjoyed you enjoyed you on your uh, the rock concert Saturday night. Yes, uh, NASCAR Kyle, formerly of Miles Around, was in attendance at the Tour oh, de Force. Oh, I see. He was seeing you kick out the jams with Tour de Force. The jams right. were kicked out ferociously. All right. It, w- it was fantastic. It was right. it was deafening. Is that <laughs> but, good? Or uh, like D E A F or D E F? Like the kids say. Whichever way is good. I I have no idea, well, but it was good. Cool man. So the sole point of this call is to praise Adam. Yes, exactly. Oh well, Sarah was there too, so she can attest to. Uh, the greatness that was. Uh, Were you one of the party? listeners that was allegedly trying to lure Sarah mm. upstairs? Uh-oh. Oh, no. No, no. Sarah did use the phrase. She used the word lure as regards some listeners. She's like, there are some listeners who were trying to lure me upstairs. And by the I way, did. lure is a very specific verb. It's a lurid word. I mean, but you know what I mean? It's, it's At one not point, like... they were making out behind me, and they started backing up. And before I knew it, he was making out with Making her. up. Making out on you? Yeah. No, and then Ooh. she bumped into me, but his hands were on her sides, and he started grabbing my sides. And I was like, that's I'm sure I was it was like, an accident. Whoa, buddy. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, hey, like, I'm not a wall. Don't make out with your, <laughs> with your person. You just don't lean there for a bit. Hold on. I just prop me up here while I sl- uh, snog. It's like, at the, it's like at the end of Transformers where uh, Shia LaBeouf and what's her name, Megan Fox, are like humping it out on top of Bumblebee, who is alive. <laughs> I know he's a car sometimes, but he's like a sentient thinking Conscious they being. Out on a car? I've never seen You've seen that? Oh no! Don't ever! It's the worst movie. Okay, made. But I mean, at the end of Transformers, There's Shia LaBeouf and movie. Megan Fox are on top of Bumblebee, and they're like, you know, they're macking, as they used to say in high school. I mean, they're making out and grinding on top of Bumblebee, who again is a living, thinking thing. Mm. He is not an animal. So. No, this guy. These people were really nice. They just had a bit to drink and. Did they want you to be part of a special uh, bonding moment with them? Because you and I don't think I'm saying anything we haven't said before. It's a magic number. Well, you, <laughs> you do get. Um, I would say your fair share of couples who would like you to be with them biblically. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we've talked about. It I've before. been asked on more than one occasion. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, you know, uh-huh. there's uh, you know, some couples who uh, they both kind of fancy you. I'm just, 
Okay. Your body no. language is suggesting that you're uncomfortable. No, no, no. I just feel bad because the people were so nice, but it was just so creepy. Well, I, I mean, mean, like sometimes people are uh, drinking. They don't really realize how forward they're being. Yeah, it was just like really like lots of touching. And, you know, uh, we don't like to be touched very much anyway. And especially with true. a stranger yeah. and then on my sides. Yeah. Like, that's just... Oh, no. See, the sides, like, like above your hips? Like no, by your hips? above hip? my hips. Like, like between your hips and your bosoms? And this person I had met for about... 30 seconds, and it's just like, okay, great, yeah, nice to meet you. So I go and sit at my table, and then this person and his wife um, are, like, standing behind us. And, like, he came up to me, and he would, like, start putting his arms on me. I'm just like, who the hell is that? And I he's, turn around. He's and putting your hands, like, right up, like, uh, on your on the sides of your stomach, right above your yeah. hips. and then, like, he kept coming up and talking to me, and every time he would, yeah. he'd, like, put his arm around me and, like, pull no, me you don't, really no, close. That's a, no, you don't. Wait, that's while a, he was making out with his lady, his hands were on you? Yeah. Like, like see, that's, you know what that time? is? That's, a, that's what we call a test balloon. That's a little bit. No, no, no. She goes no, for this. We're in. And so we were downstairs. Oh, I feel so bad. They're listeners, but I'm. I'm, I have I'm, to get this you know, I'm. You know, here's the thing. I'm sure they're great, but let's be honest. People drink, and when you drink, you lose your inhibitions a little bit. Mm. No. And the inner person comes out, and I'm sure they just found you uh, attractive, but they were perhaps demonstrating that fact more than they would have if they were sober. Mm. It's amazing that an Emerson listener was getting some action. <laughs> I'm down. <sighs> I mean, when Tour de Force is on stage, these things tend to happen. I mean, people just lose it and get sexual. All right. Well, in any so there, Yes, there was a light downstairs, and she's just like, and her, she, her husband really wanted a picture of the two of us together. You and he? Her, me and his wife. So wait, the, the, the guy wanted a picture of you with the wife? Yes. All right. And so I'm like, okay. Oh, so there was a light down in the hallway, like next to the bathrooms. I'm like, all right. And he's like, oh, the light's bad up here. And there's like this <laughs> I got The cabin light in my van's real bright, though. <laughs> there's this upstairs area. And they literally came up to me. And they're like, like, hey, you know what? He's already waiting upstairs. Why don't we go up and take the picture? The light's a lot better up there. And then all you heard was the sound of duct tape. Seriously. <laughs> I look up and I don't see I see that it's kind of abandoned up there. There's like this creaky door opening. It's, seriously. I don't think you're making this sound creepier than it was. I think you're making it sound exactly as creepy as it was. Exactly how it was. So they were like, you don't want me to this couch in the back of my van? She's, she's like, no, it won't be a big deal. Just take a second. I'm like, you know, uh-huh. I'm just going to, I'm talking to some friends. No, no, like, no. Just, He'll be thinking of me the whole time. Like, this light right here is really bright. We yeah. Just do it here. And so she's like, okay, I'll go get him. And so she goes up and gets him, brings him downstairs, and they make this huge production about, like, I can't see anything. It's too dark. And didn't end up getting a picture. I love the idea that she was trying to get you to go up the stairs, though, the, uh, which is it's sort of like in Goodfellas when uh, when Robert De Niro is trying to get uh, Lorraine Bracco to walk down that alley into the clothing the store thing, at the end. Yeah. No, 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 the dresses are right in here. Come on in. And there's a guy with a bone saw and a gun behind the door. Pick us something nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, but to be honest, I, yeah, it was just too much. I mean, they were both very nice. I know they're both big fans of the show. Yes. And, we have many. Uh, really? We do have many listeners who are in the lifestyle, as they say. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, they uh, some of them do find you uh, very fetching. I was saying actually the other day, I was telling somebody this, that all, not all. Because um, it's my hybridness, because I'm part man, part woman. Well, uh, I was going to say actually that, that <laughs> it's the... Um, do you want to answer that balls question, Rick? I, I was going to say actually that the bulk of the... How shall I put this? Um... I'll just say this: most of the most of the folks in the audience who, um, e- either innocuously or not, most of the sort of um, overtly demonstrated or, you know, most of the crushes that that listeners might have on anybody in the show, because you know, you know, not trying to make us more special. I'm just it happen. You know, whatever people get, you know, whatever you people get crushes on people, yeah, get, lots of people. yeah, people get crushes on other people. But I'm saying, in terms of this show, I would say almost eighty percent. Of the um, that, that that sort of attraction is directed at you and Tim. 
I mean, Sarah and Tim uh, Riley get about 80% of that. And then, like, Richie and I are just sort of trying to, like, pick up any stragglers. <laughs> Richie picks up the scraps. But, yeah, you and Tim, though, command the bulk of audience crushes. Really. I mean, the, the, the overwhelming majority. So, uh, Oh, don't say that, because now you're fishing for it. And all these no, 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 I'm not. I'm going to be like, Rick, you're so hot. No, I'm really not. And I, and I, and I don't look so thin. And I don't mean for it to sound that way. I'm not trying to fish for attention order. I'm just saying it's just it's a fact that, you know, uh, I get, I, I get, get some of the crazies, and I get, a, you know, you get a lot of guys, and not a few women who are very into you, and we get, I mean, I get these, and the sometimes there's the thing, and I've told him this, so I'm not not speaking behind his back, but like I will get these like full on mash notes, uh, from women for Tim, and the women are like so into him, they're afraid to send the letters to him, so they send them to me, <laughs> and it's a lot of like, wow, it's like that, and and that Tim Riley, boy, he uh, that voice of his, he really sure, does. He does. He really does. He does strange things to me, Rick. Signed, Candace, you know, or whatever. And it's but they won't send it to them. They're so in like Gaga for Tim that they like they send it to me. So I'm just saying, it's just uh, it's true. Uh, so these two calls, then we'll do this. Uh, then we'll do uh, this uh, other song. Then the good song. Then the good song. Then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, how are you guys today? We're fine. How can I help you? Oh, I got two things for you. One is a, a, a superpower I thought of. If every time you go out for a Neapolitan and you sneeze, your rashes go away. Uh huh. What's your second thing? <laughs> the second thing yeah. is. Do <laughs> you have lots of rashes, sir? I, I like, we didn't laugh at it, so you were actually compelled to just take up the slack there with your own little, uh, your own little sweetening. All right, what's the uh, second the, thing? <laughs> the second thing is uh, Nickelback is one of those bands that. I've I've always heard of and I've known people to listen to them and I never heard them but I, that right. was the most god awful terrible crap in my mouth call of the Sunday excuse for music I've ever heard. Well, I will say that it is uh, it is apparently resonating with a certain audience out there though. So I mean, look, there as I was saying, you know, they're rock stars and I'm not. So who am I? Who am I to criticize? Them? <laughs> well, I hope Richie's rash is cleared up. So next time he goes to Vegas, he might get one of those Neapolitans. Oh, I thought you meant the ice cream. cream. I totally forgot the Vegas thing. All right. Uh, thank you. Right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. How you doing, man? What's up? Um, you were talking about the old school Pantera. Yeah, we were just talking about the, their first couple albums where they were all yeah. like, you know, riding I on was... a winged steed to Valhalla. <laughs> I yeah. was on the, the BitTorrent, which is a completely illegal download site, because who's going to pay to download that stuff? I wouldn't know anything about um, it. There was four of those albums. Three of them were before Phil Ensemble. It was Metal Magic. I'm looking on my iPod. Power Metal Projects right. in the Jungle and So what's Lion the one I'm Night. What's the one I'm thinking of that has the cat on the front with a weird Metal Magic Swizzly Knife? Metal um, Magic. Yeah. yeah, I think that might have been Metal Magic. Oh, that had uh, yeah. songs that had classics like Ride My Rocket, Tell Me If You Want It, Latest Lover, Biggest Part of Me, Widowmaker, and. <laughs> This stuff is so cheesy. It's great. Yeah, that's um, fantastic. Power Metal, I think, was the first one that had Phil Ensemble. They did that, and it was a little heavier, and it was still kind of like uh, the Cemetery Gate song on Cowboys from Hell, and then yeah. it started being cool. No, so. Ministry, if you guys know uh, Industrial Stalwarts Ministry, they did the same thing, where Ministry's first album is this album called With Sympathy, which just sounds like this terrible sub-Depeche mode. It's all like a lot of... <laughs> Have you heard their latest stuff, Ministries? Uh, I I kind of fell away from Ministry after the Psalm 69 era, but um, but Go they get Rio Grande Blood. That one is friggin' awesome. It's a lot like Psalm 69. The last Ministry record I bought, the last one I bought was a uh, Filth Pig, and it was just so bad. I was like, ah, I'm never listening to this again. So just download it for free off the interweb. I will. I don't know anything about that, sir. CBS Radio respects copyright. 
pull it from the series of tubes. All right, thank you. Take intellectual property seriously here. All right, I want to hear that song. All right, so here's uh, so uh, hot on the heels of Nickelback. We now have oh, and somebody says it's because what's his name, Chad Kroger, worked at Starbucks, and he said he constantly found himself using the phrase "Here's your Nickelback," blah 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 blah. Some other guy in the band heard it, blah 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 blah. So there you go. Great. Uh, the mundane truth behind an intriguing you question. Are so stupid. Not so, the, not the person who wrote you, but anyway. so this is the other song Chris Paddock played me that day, and I have my own thoughts on this. Um. So uh, I'm just going to play this here. I'll take it maybe through the first hook, and then we'll get and then we'll get comments. So I will say uh, this is a band called Theory of a Dead Man. Great name for a band, by the way. This is uh, a song. Uh, well, I won't even give the title. It'll become uh, it'll become self-evident. This is a song by Theory of a Dead Man that Chris Paddock took me up with, and I'll uh... so sick of the hobos, always begging for change. Best opening line ever, oh, man. I don't like how I gotta work They just sit around and get paid Are you kidding me? I hate all of the people Who can't drive their cars Bitch, you better get out of the way Before I start falling apart I hate all my wife It's always up my So I'm going to stop the song right now to say, seriously, if that's I will. That's the most amazing song if, I've ever heard. That's what I told Paddock. You know what my, you know what the phrase is? This is what it, Paddock, Paddock played it for hobos? me. The hobos? First of all, best opening line ever. I hate all of the hobos. And I didn't know what kind of song it was going to be. So Pat, we got through, I think, the first hook where he just says, da 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 I hate my life. I told Paddock, I said, that is a freaking hit. If that is <laughs> If that song is not... If that song is not like one of the ten, ten biggest hits of the year, and like I will turn in my radio guy card, that wh what I would not give to be able to write a song like that. You've heard the whole thing, and you're depriving us. I haven't heard the, the, the whole song. thing actually. I've only heard to this point. I'm just saying that is exactly the kind of song that resonates with huge. Can't you just see a bunch of sort of the same like that kind of kind of country, kind of rock, kind of kid rock, kind of Toby Keith demo? Grabbing onto this, mm -hmm. yes, dude. Absolutely. Song is money in the bank. Wait, right, paging skater boy. I wonder if they break it down for the people while they give the truth. <laughs> 
theory of a dead man. I, I just typed in theory of and Google, and that's the number one thing. That's what I'm saying. Eight million results. That right there, You're that right, is a Rick. that is a gold single at the very least. You mark my words. I mean, I don't even know when it came out. I don't know if it's been released yet. I don't think so. I mean, if that gets released, like, <laughs> were we allowed to play it? If that gets, uh, well, Pat gave it to me. So I mean, it's you know, it's an advance. It's a radio edit. I mean, they sent it. They serviced radio with that. So. Oh my God, this guy looks just as douchey as you as you would imagine. I got to tell you, he's gonna be a douche with a billion dollars. Oh, he's douche tastic. Oh, wow. He Look looks at that like guy. A Sasha Baron Cohen. Hey, no offense. Back. He looks like one of the dudes in Womb Stretcher. Uh, <laughs> he does? Totally. Oh, my God. This might be their side project, for all I know. Hey, good for them. Anyway, okay. so I'll tell you what. Uh, that guy, if this song is any... I mean, really, just based on this song, that guy's actually going to have to work to spend the money that they're going to make on this song. Yeah. I mean, that is it. I know what Americans like, and this song is that, my friends. We're in the wrong business, man. Dude, i got to tell you, that is... Um, so, uh, the Nickelback song, eh, this, though, that is, uh, as they say in Shaun of the Dead, that is, uh, that is fried gold, my friends. So um, It's right, amazing how, like, I mean, the vocals are the same. That guy's emulating Chad Kroger. And, you know, they're from the same record label. Yeah. So, maybe, the, I guess Roadrunner Records has a stable Dude, of uh, and it's got, clones. Dude, and it's got everything. And somebody just said it's like an emo country hybrid. Yeah. Um, Todd just wrote the best comparison he wrote. He's like, finally, it's an I hate everything about you for a new generation. Totally, mm. exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And you know what? It, it, what? Maybe you'd listen to it. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe it's your kind of, you know, your cup of tea. Maybe it's not. But I pride myself on being able to, on being able to spot singles. You know, it's like that inner A&R got my inner John Kaladner coming out. That though is a hit song. First, I mean, I would. We weren't even 35 seconds into it. I'm like, that. I'm like, that's, that's going to be huge. I mean, if it's not huge, it will. If it's not huge, it will just. It will challenge all that I think I know about this country of it's ours. It's going to alter our, our cultural landscape infinitely. That's what I'm saying. You know. So there you go. Anyway, good for those guys. All right, cleanse the palate, Rick Emerson. Well, I mean, is it going to be too much of a train wreck if we uh, if we do the greatest songs ever made right here? No. I mean, what do you think? No, because we can put off the break a little bit, and we don't have anything that we're doing. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, well, let me, let's uh, do this. We need to do something. We won't, better. let's not, let's do the news here. Let's go to the Ministry of Truth. We'll do a couple stories. I'll set up Greatest Song Ever, and then we'll take that into the break. So we're on no particular schedule, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, and at the Ministry now, of Truth. from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tam Tarsing. Okay. You know what? We're getting short on time, and I, I got to fit this in. It's a penis watch. All right. Here's. Here's your penis watch from Monday, Rick Emerson's show. Enormous penis, and my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis, and everything is going my way. All right, here's your uh, penis watch from Monday on the Rick Emerson radio program. Well, I must start this story off by reading the simple headline. Surgeons chopped off my penis. Is that like weasels ripped my flesh? Zappa. All right. I smell what you're cooking. A man woke from a, from a circumcision operation uh. to discover surgeons had chopped off his penis. By the way, this is a news story that we are reading here in this I news segment write this. of the Rick Emerson this is radio not program. from the bathroom wall. No, it is. No, no. This is about 
Furious Philip Seaton, and that's how it's worded. Furious Philip. <laughs> Furious Philip Seaton. I want his garbage filled. <laughs> yeah, it's just a guy holding a bloodstained rag over his over his pants. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Furious Philip Seaton is suing doctors in the U.S. after claiming he did not give surgeons consent to cut off his manhood. Surgeons at the hospital in Kentucky, surprise, said they had to take the drastic action after discovering a life-threatening cancer. Mr. Seaton is suing after claiming he suffered, quote, mental anguish, pain, and has lost the enjoyment of life. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Seaton is from Tennessee, attention Timmy Ryan, and his wife said two doctors amputated his penis without his consent last October and have filed a lawsuit. I mean, really seriously, that's one of those... I mean, you don't really hear of penis cancer. Well, and to be fair, um, I... To be fair, uh, you've got to wonder, I mean, if, I just don't even, I don't even start, first of all, cancer. I barely knew her. Um, and would he have given consent? That's got to be one of those things where if they say, look, you've got cancer and it's in your member, sir. Maybe they saw his thumb move slightly upward and they said, that's consent. I mean, I, who knows? I mean, maybe he just, if he didn't scream, no, for the love of God, please, no. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if you can, well, he's an adult, he probably could have refused, I guess, that treatment, but I suppose drastic times. Call for drastic measures. Oh, I forgot to say, he's actually a toddler. So he's cross about the whole thing. He is somewhat he's cross. He's not amused. Mr. Seaton's solicitor, kept, that must, this must be one of those Euro stories. Uh, but, he's a, but it's a lawyer or something. Oh, maybe it's a, it might be British coverage of an American story. It is. Right, um, okay. But if it, they call it Mr. Seaton's solicitor. I yeah, it's a lawyer. lawyer, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mr. Seaton's solicitor, Kevin George, said the surgeons should not have acted so quickly. Mr. George said... Sometimes you have an emergency, and sometimes you have to do this. But he could have very easily closed them up and said, here are your options. You have cancer. The family would have said, we want a second opinion. Yes, this I This is think a big so. deal. <laughs> really, no. I think a second opinion has never been more called for. Good Lord. Jesus. I mean, they just go, he's asleep, and they're like, you know, yeah, he's not going to miss it. I, uh, yeah, what do you need this thing for? It's, sort of, it's sort of like when you're, when you're getting your hair cut, and you, you know, everybody's gone to that jackass barber who just figures they kind of know what they know what looks good on you. Look over there for a second. <laughs> gone. All right, there's your uh, penis watch for Monday on the Rick Emerson Show. Good. Take God. a look at my God almighty. Let's do one more brief story, and then we will uh, we'll have today's installment of the greatest songs ever made. Take a look at my enormous Jesus. Everything is going my way. Well, next story. I'm interested in this. I'm sure you are, Rick. Sarah. I don't know how enlightened you, you are. You just sound like um, you just sounded like 1980s era Bob Dylan, uh, really insincerely introducing a song. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? Have you, there's this live performance that Dylan gives at like, um, where is he? He's like he's somewhere. He's like in he's like in Buffalo or someplace, <laughs> and he gets he gets ready to play "Blowing in the Wind," which is you know like a you know a very groundbreaking song in it, in its day. And Dylan at that point was just so jaded and just hated his audience so much that he was just goes. I wrote this song a long time ago. It still means a lot to me. I hope it means a lot to all you people too. And you're sort of watching this, going like, "Who is this? What am I watching?" You expect them to start taking off bejeweled scarves and like laying them on women in the front row. All right. So you're comparing me to Bob Dylan? Yes, I'm I flattered. am. And to Wayne Newton simultaneously. It's about time. Okay. So uh, an unreleased experimental track by the Beatles could be made public 41 years after it was recorded at Abbey Road Studios. Uh, Paul McCartney, he's one of the two surviving members of probably the most successful pop band ever, told BBC Radio that Carnival of Light was the Beatles at their most free. Going off, and then there's a word here, P-I-S-T-E, going off, pisty? No, uh, it's it's, uh, it's piste. Uh, it's a skiing term. It means path. 
Wow. Yeah. You learn something every you know, day, I guess. You know, term. Yeah. Um, I said it would be great to put this on because it would show we were working with really avant-garde stuff. McCartney told Radio 4's Front Row Culture Show in an interview to be broadcast on Thursday. He confirmed that he had a master tape of the track, which many Beatles fans assumed until now was a piece of musical myth. And he added, the time has come for it to get its moment. The 14-minute track was made for an electronic music festival, the only occasion the music was played in public. Uh, in order for Carnival of Light to be released, McCartney would have to get the agreement of Ringo and the estates of John Lennon and George Harrison. According to BBC, McCartney had wanted to include the track on the Beatles anthology compilations in the mid-90s, but the rest of the band vetoed the idea. And, and here's the thing. You know, I love the Beatles. No, you just know it's crap. I mean, you just know. First of all, nothing 14 minutes long is good, But it's going to speaking. be, you know, called the greatest thing ever found. Seriously, and there will be, uh, you know, just because you know, a lot of Brian Wilson fans are the same way. Mm-hmm. It's like anything that is sort of anything that is released that is even the slightest bit weird or unlistenable is therefore genius. I want to hear it though because you know the Beatles, as great as they were, were usually kind of confined to the three-minute pop song. Right. Even though Sgt. Pepper and stuff they right. got, branched off a bit, but a you know, 14-minute Beatles. I mean, I'd like down. to. I'd like to hear it. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I think that yeah. I think they were going to put it on anthology or McCartney pushed to put it on anthology because here's the thing. Don't you also get the sense with the Beatles that McCartney even now lives in the shadow of of John where McCartney gets tagged as being the guy who writes all the sort of like sickly sweet syrupy love crap mm-hmm. and anything even remotely experimental or avant-garde gets laid at the feet of John and I think yeah. Paul is probably still trying to show like no 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 I'm deep no yeah, I I, I, I think, think thoughts too and that's why he wants this because I think it's it was sort of his baby and I guess it's I guess it was so bad that the other Beatles though wouldn't let him put oh, it on the anthology. Say, I mean the anthology yeah. I have them all. They got some pretty loose stuff yeah. going they on. Wouldn't, if the other guy said not this. How what could it be like? Apparently, just I've only uh, I've only read a couple reviews from people who claim to have heard it, like one journalist, and he said it's 14 minutes of like electronic clapping and yowling with John occasionally in the background. I swear to God, screaming things like. I'm in Barcelona! Over and over and over again. So, for 14 minutes. Tripping balls, no doubt. Yeah, so there you go. All right. So, uh, there you go. Carnival of Light will see the light of day. Very right. soon. Did you write that part yourself? That's, uh, I got uh, actually a writer's staff in the break room. Thank you. Feeding me in an earpiece. All right. On that musical note, ladies and gentlemen, this is a good time uh, to do this. We actually had a request uh, for this segment on Thursday. Somebody said that he uh, was wanting us to do more of the greatest songs ever made, and this one's actually been kind of sitting in the hopper for a couple of days. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a good time to get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Rick Emerson, and these are the greatest songs ever made. Wait a minute. I think I know what this is. One disadvantage of a strong persona is the threat that it sometimes poses to your image as an artist. A colorfully drawn stage presence or unexaggerated physical presentation, these things can, from time to time, conspire to overshadow the actual worth or merit or beauty of your creations. Which brings us to the strange case of Dolly Parton. Born in 1946 in Seaverville, Tennessee, Dolly Rebecca Parton was one of 12 children living in a one-room cabin, the very embodiment of the American underclass. Her parents instilled in young Dolly, as in all their sons and daughters, a love and respect for both music and hard work, both hallmarks of what would become a long and storied career. And what a career it was, with moments and events that seemed torn from the pages of some potboiler, a star-is-born type novel, and not from actual life. 
like the moment at age 13 when Dolly Parton met Johnny Cash at the Grand Ole Opry. And Cash, in a moment that Cameron Crowe only wishes he could write, told the teenage Dolly to follow her own style and muse and not care what anybody else thought. Or like the moment she found her success with a song called Dumb Blonde, shrewdly playing on her own image as an overblown sex pot. Or the moment when Dolly Parton, as close to a living doll as perhaps ever existed, began to fear that her husband was entranced by another woman, a red-haired bank teller in their hometown. Haunted by the prospect of losing the only man she'd ever truly loved, Dolly Parton, as she put it, quote, fought tooth and nail, determined to hold on to the one human being she said she didn't feel she could live without. She also imagined confrontations, showdowns, and tearful pleas to the other woman. And one night, she put all these thoughts into melodic verse, creating an undeniable country masterpiece. Released in 1974, the song was an instant classic and remains deeply unnerving even today. It is perhaps unprecedented in its lyrical style, as the narrator, a woman who sees no worth in herself, pleads with the other woman to refrain from stealing her husband because, as the wife sings, you don't know what he means to me. An American master sings one of the greatest songs ever made. This is Dolly Parton and Jolene.
into the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for coming along. Join us tomorrow when I guess will include Nina Parker from TMZ.com. All right. Uh, like us at 3, Mike O'Meara show at 7. <coughs> Pardon me. <laughs> God Almighty. That was a weird thing. It was like my lungs actually just... Uh, it's like uh, it's like on a power drill, you know that switch that's like the reverse, yeah, you know, right. so you can either go in or out. It's like my, it was like somebody turned on the reverse <laughs> switch for my lungs, and I actually just started going like, <laughs> just inhaling. That was really like weird. When you drop the match in the glass bottle, and the egg exactly. sucks through. Exactly. I got you, buddy. And the egg is the air, the bottle is my lungs, and the match is cruel fate. <laughs> All right. Well, before we go any further, I would like to say good job, Adam Thompson. Look today. at this round of applause. Round of applause for you. Being thrown into the deep end. You've done good, Adam. Hey, you know, it's easy when it's so much fun. And you're That's less frustrating true. than Timmy Ryan. Seriously, we don't, we don't have the urge to beat you senseless. I, I aim to please, not to uh, displease. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of, uh, of all things um, pimp squadion, mm. uh, before, we, uh, before we do anything else, let me... Uh, sorry, you can drop this. It's going to be kind of... Uh, mm. Let's welcome uh, now to the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA, Richie <laughs> Bristol. We haven't spoken to Richie all day. No, he's been uh, he's been occupied. There's my pen. All right, sister, still in heels. Uh, oh yeah, you guys are representing the full pen squad. Now. Wow. Yeah, this is the pen squad Northwest. Jesus. This is it right here. You know, okay. Here's a. I have to. As much as we sort of make fun of the uh, you know the, the clothing styles that Richie Bristol sometimes wears, I have to say, in full disclosure, these Adidas warm up pants or whatever he's wearing, I have those same pants, but they're like the um, they're like the shorts that you like go down your, your knee. What's that? You yes. Always. Um, and pearls. So, Richie's wearing a V for Vendetta shirt, a knit cap, Adidas track pants, and then these black... Are heels and pumps the same thing? I don't know. Right. You're asking the wrong person. So, you are, do you wear heels a lot? No. Uh, I wear platforms for the most part. Oh, I do that's have, true. I do have some heels, but they're just so hard to walk well, in. Well, that's the thing. So, I walked into the kitchen just now. Shit. So here's what I just saw. So Richie, uh, as befits a burgeoning crossdresser, uh, has been wearing these heels around most of the day. Now, was that the sort of remaining element? Well, you have to learn how to do, yeah. I'm uh, working up to three inch, I think, four inch. I tried. You do have to work up to four inches, so I'm told. Yeah. Gotta ease into it, Richie. Plus I'm dancing. The key is to relax. Plus I'm doing, like, Britney Spears dances and stuff. Why don't you show us one of your dance moves? So this Adam, is... have you seen any of Richie's oh, dance well, moves? Let me show I have not. Now, are these going to be... Now, hold on. Now, when is your actual full-on drag performance? Uh, when is December the unveiling? 13th. December 13th, and it is for charity? Yes. Please tell me it's for children. Uh, yes, it is, actually. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, and, and now you have... Are you going to be singing, dancing, all the above? Uh, singing, dancing, all the above. What, what are you going to be singing? Uh, a Bette Midler song. Which Bette Midler song? Do you want to reveal uh, it? No, no. Okay, but a Bette Midler song. That's, I, okay. I heard him sing the song, and it's a doozy. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, i got to tell you, Bette Midler, that woman's got some lungs on her. I'll be... Uh, so does Richie Bristol. I'll be, I'll be impressed if you can if you yeah. can do it. That's, I mean, that's setting the bar pretty high. Especially because, let me just say this, uh, singing a Bette Midler song in, in a drag show to an audience that will probably have a lot of drag queens or we might say drag hags in it um that's i mean they'll kill you if you do that if you do that badly oh, it's like messing with the bible right there seriously yeah, you don't want to screw with that all right so um were you now going to demonstrate first of all how oh. long have you had these heels on today 
since I got here. Jesus. Yeah, he's he's been walking around them all day. I walked into the kitchen and Richie was actually sitting there in just his stocking feet. He'd taken the heels off and he was just sort of limping around and then like rubbing his feet. And, I, and I've forgotten. I said, "What's up?" And he goes, "Oh, those heels." Those are really small heels. I, those are like uh, almost kitten heel. I know. I got it pretty good. I mean, well, they're like, I mean they are like some. Are Where did you find those, Richie? Ah, uh, one of the queens gave it to me. Talk closer to the mic. One of the queens gave it to me. They. <laughs> they are kind of like this female torture device made by men. I mean, I totally agree. There, but they that. make your legs look fantastic. Oh now, yeah, it, now my what... butt feels it. They do. They stretch them out. My yeah. butt feels it. My butt's sore. <laughs> oh lord. Right here. I you know, sometimes I don't even need to like add context. Feel it. Let Richie go. Yeah. Totally. Um, solid. I'm so gonna now, feel it. I'm gonna feel now, it. Now, when you say they make your legs oh, look geez. fantastic, I was always to understand that guys created heels because they basically pushed out your chest and they pushed out your buttocks. Well, that's why they look so fantastic, because they elongate you and they stick you out in all the right places. All right, so it accentuates the, the curves, perhaps. It makes you want to fill a lady full of babies. Oh. <laughs> Welcome back, Tony. Am I wrong or, or English am I muffins? Wrong? Oh, you're not wrong, Adam. Yeah, High five. Yeah. I hate all the hobos. <laughs> all right. Uh, what is wrong with you? So, all right, so you've been wearing these heels all day. So uh -huh. are you going to continue to wear them? Uh, I'm going to wear them this week, and then I'm going to work myself. I think I don't know. I could do this. Now, somebody told me that when you wore heels, that they, they did, they stretched something out, or they, 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 they took some one of your muscles, and they stretched it out, or they... It's doing uh, a lot. I mean, I feel it all the way up my I mean, is it like, I mean, I'm not trying to be, not trying to work blue, but I mean, is it like, like muscles, like ass muscles or something that, like, that are sore? Front and back. Front right here, and right here, and right there. Like in your... His moneymaker, so. Right. so yeah. uh, and so, all right. Now, are those the actual heels you're going to be wearing? No, no, this is not even close. That's why I got to work my. Are you working your way up? Yeah. I see. So it's like swinging a couple bats in the on deck circle, but you're doing it in reverse. Yeah, I'm going to add an inch every week. This is like those women in some of those countries where they wear the plates around their neck and they add one every year. Yeah, yeah. just like that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll check in with you. Here, here's my Britney Spears move. As we go. Oh, wow. my Lord. What is seen cannot be unseen. Holy. Goggles do nothing. All right. We want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Lisa Desjardins and uh, Steve Kastenbaum. Rick Emerson, show producer today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Amnon Tevy the Talker. In the newsroom, Adam Thompson filling in for uh, Tim Riley, who uh, may or may not be back tomorrow, depending on his immune system. On uh, the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan Donef with me, Reynolds. As always, thanks for listening. Like us next. Uh, Michael Murray Show at 7. See you tomorrow. Watch out for snakes. Bye now.